commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. What's it been? Six months since I heard that song and since we've last talked. Uh, Yeah, well, we're back here. It's the Thanksgiving special. Forgive me if uh, I'm a little rusty. As I said, it's been uh, last time we did a show, I think, was in April or May. Um, I've been kind of chilling, kicking, enjoying the uh, summertime and uh, the late spring and all of summer and the early fall. So here we are. We're back. Um, And uh, we're not just back for tonight. So uh, stick around to the end of the show because we'll have news on uh, forthcoming episodes uh, of Been All of America. But for now, we have some uh, traditional BOA programming to uh, dive into here over the next couple of hours. Of course, I'm talking about uh, the Banal of America holiday tradition like no other. Uh, And this year, it's a little bit different because uh, we're doing it in a different time and a different day. Um, I don't remember thinking about this because, like, uh, I don't remember if we always did it on Tuesday nights or if if that just became – tradition, you know, like around year three or four or something. It's been so long. Um, yeah, you know, it's usually been Tuesday. It, it's been earlier yeah. in the week. I think one year, one year we did a Wednesday. It was like right before Thanksgiving, but usually it's Tuesday. Oh, we must have been crazy to do it then. But yeah, yeah. Well, we, yeah. Well, of course, you just heard him, folks, talking about the incomparable Bruce Rucks. This is Rucks Giving. And uh, I'm free now one more year of all you people emailing me about whether or not there's going to be a Rucksgiving. It, it's happening as you speak. You're listening to it right now, <laughs> Rucksgiving 2021. Welcome back, Bruce. You know they're going to complain. They're going to say, hey, you didn't give us any warning. We didn't even I hear know. it. Where is it? I know. They're going to say, oh, questions for Bruce, and you didn't, you didn't tell me in time. Well, guess what? Send your questions in for 2022 because <laughs> – <laughs> you got, we had to you do, got 360 days. We're literally exactly, doing this exactly. on the flight. I got called uh, uh, two days ago. I was at work, and Tim called uh, so that we could arrange when we were going to do this. And, of course, we were thinking about next week early, but I've been working nonstop where I'm at. I just got off a six-day work week, 55 and a half hours, and that's kind of been the norm for the last month. We're going into our fifth week of that. So this was the only night that I could get off <laughs> to do anything. And apparently it was convenient for Tim, too. So uh, we just kind of 
had to rush it together and, and throw it in tonight because it was the only time we could squeeze in. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it was we, we we volleyed around dates and whatnot, and yeah, we used to do it Tuesday. Tuesday night was pretty much kind of became the traditional night to do it, and then I do remember we did do it on a Wednesday night once, but uh, you know, but this is good because. Uh, uh, well, well, I'll get into more later about why we'll sort of talk about our holiday plans as we get to the end of the show. But I, I have a big, uh, unique, different Thanksgiving plan this year. I'm a little stressed out about it already because I don't like anything <laughs> that isn't that isn't what I normally do. So I'm already like, well, originally back in uh, back in September, it was like, this sounds like fun. This is going to be awesome. This will be a Thanksgiving to remember. And now I'm like, I just want to stay and sit on my fucking couch. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> go anywhere, do anything. And <laughs> and I and unfortunately for me, I have to do both those things. I have to go somewhere and do things. So yeah. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so how, so aside from work, how have you been in the last year? How's everything going? Um, you know, we're still, uh, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, you're fine. I mean, right. Work, like I said, I'm, I'm making incredible money right now because I'm doing a whole lot of overtime. <laughs> and good. happily, I love my job. I actually love my job. But one of the things I love about it is I usually have a lot of time off and now I don't have any time off. So I'm loving it a little bit less, but I'm still loving it. Nice, nice. Now, we don't – now, we talked a little bit about this when I called you to set up the show. I mean, we're, like, kind of in fundamental disagreement on this, so I don't necessarily want to get into a long to-do about it. But we had a conversation last year. Well, I guess let's start with what's your take on what's going on with the pandemic and everything. You you are not vaccinated. You're you're not a fan of no. the vaccine. And um, that, that that's a that, – that's I, I'm, I'm right in saying that, correct? Yeah, I don't trust them for shit. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, as I said, that's where we disagree because I'm not only vaxxed, I'm triple vaxxed. So, and uh, I'm perfectly fine. So, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm of I, the I opinion. Well, thank you. And I, I, I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm not concerned. It, we, it's very strange in a sense. We, we both kind of come at this from different angles. Um. You know, where it's like, and I have a friend, I won't name him, because uh, I don't know if, you know, I don't want to, it's really, this is more of a joke, I don't want, I don't want to HIPAA violate him, but, uh, but that's not really, you can, I could say who it is, and it's not like I would really violate his HIPAA, that's a whole different, people use that as a line all the time, oh, it's my HIPAA, it's like, you don't have any idea what the fuck you're talking about, but the, I have a friend who, he, he doesn't want to get the vaccine either, so it's like, uh, you know, um, and we had this kind of conversation when I saw him a while ago, and it, it's it's sort of like you you seem concerned about the fact that I, or at least you know, you're like, well, I hope it works out for you or whatever, and I I'm equally concerned for your health, um, you know, and I'm not, and you don't you like you don't seem too worried about yourself. I'm not worried about myself either. You know what I mean? You get kind of where I'm coming. <laughs> We have very well, similar I, perspectives on it. I have one it, but... question. I have to ask you yeah. one question. If, if sure. Trump were still president, and if he said, you need to take these shots and it's a mandate, would you have taken them then? I would have taken the shot as long as, uh, as, long as it was approved like by 
you know, who, the, whoever it has to go through the whole process, you know, where the uh, CDC or the FTC or the <laughs> or WWE or whoever the fuck, yeah, has to has to approve of it. Um, as long as it went through all the regulations and shit, and I, you know, I mean, I didn't get the vaccine until like uh, I, I was an early adopter. I got it like the beginning of March, but I was like, well, I'll give it two months, and if anything happens to if, like if a whole bunch wave of people start dying. Then obviously I'm not I'm not getting it. So, um, you know. So it, 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 uh, yeah. I mean, I, it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened if if Trump were president. Um, how this year would have unfolded as far as the vaccine goes. Um, but yeah, I would have gotten it either way. I'm just done with this pandemic shit. I'm just done with it. And I mean, I can honestly tell you, I don't know how you live your life out there in Colorado, but like since. I've been vaccinated. I don't. I, I li, I'm living post-pandemic. I have no. I don't wear a mask. I don't. You know. I'm almost borderline that's reckless. Subtle change. Subtle change. They're already Only saying they well, you have us. to have your booster or you're not vaccinated. Then you have to have another booster or you're not vaccinated. Yeah, that has to be updated. That's fine. I'll just keep getting the updates. You know. That's my. That's that's my attitude about it. You know. I'm just not going to deal with this shit anymore. You know, so, so, so I'm completely checked out. You, you You're talking to a guy who smokes like a pack a day. At all. So. Yeah, you know the vaccines do nothing at all to keep anyone from catching or spreading the disease, right? I don't know. I haven't got the it yet. So. The manufacturers will tell you that. What I mean is you're just as likely to catch it and spread it whether you're vaccinated or not. Right, right, but I'm trying to avoid hospitalization and death, so. Okay, I got you. So you're actually concerned about it? Yeah, I'm a heavy smoker. I'm out of shape. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say okay. I'm someone who, you know, um, I'm not like, I don't have like a pre-existing condition where it's like if I get it, I'm fucked, but I'm of the opinion that like, uh, you know, I, li- I live a pretty reckless lifestyle. So to me, it's like, ah, you better safe than sorry. I know many people who've had it, and they're just fine. And I've probably had it myself and not even known it, because that's pretty much how it is. I have never been concerned about this virus. I'm not concerned about it now. I'm not going to be concerned about it. I know lots of people who've had it, and they're just fine. All right. Well, I hope you don't get a bad case of it. That's a, you know, that's a... I, I appreciate That's that. all I can say. You know what I mean? It's your, it's your, it's your deal. <laughs> it's, your, it's your call. Um, to me, it's just well, like I just don't want to. What's that? Until we're all forced. Until we're all forced, which you know they're trying to do. They're doing the damnedest. Well, trust me. If they force you, you'll be fine. Because I got it three times. I, I've been boosted. It's fine. You know. Yeah, I, not I only can say that. Right. Right. Well, you know. I've only I've heard some anecdotal evidence from people who uh are arthritic. So if you're arthritic you might be you might wanna I don't wanna spread misinformation. Yeah. Well I know a couple of people who are well, I know one person and I heard a story from someone else and they were both arthritic and they both kinda had a bad reaction to it. But uh you know, they bounced back. So um Ben Stein you know. had a terrible reaction to it. I haven't heard of any follow-up on that, but Ben Stein was posting and just what a horrible reaction he had to it. It was chronic. Yeah, see, I only had, I only felt like shit for like a day, and then, uh, 
then I was fine. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't too problematic for me. And uh, like I said, then I it, then I got the peace of mind of not having to really worry about it, you know. And then it like you know if, I, if something happens and I fucking get sick, then I'll be like, well, I did everything that I I live it this way, Bruce. Right? Like, it, let's say I get COVID and then I get sick, right? Even though I'm triple vaxxed, mm-hmm. and I'm like lying in the fucking hospital, and they're like, you know, and and then they're like, you're not going to make, you know, whatever. I'm all tubed up and shit. At least, at least I'm lying there on my deathbed. I can think to myself, well, I did everything they told me I was supposed to do. So, like, it's just this is just the way it is. I wouldn't want to be, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in the hospital in that situation and go. I wonder if this would have been different if I had gotten the vaccine they told me to get. You know what I'm saying? It's like I I, I can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my last oh, yeah. moments on this fucking earth would would be me like torturing myself over this decision I made, and it's like, that's just my personality too. So it's like you know I'll just do everything you guys tell me to do, and we'll see. You know we'll just see how it goes. You know, eighty-five to ninety percent of the patients with COVID in the hospitals are the ones that are double and triple vaxxed. Uh, you might want to check those stats. I haven't seen that at all. Um, oh, but, I've seen that in lots of places. That's coming out from Denmark. It's coming out from Sweden. It's coming out from Israel. Uh, I have been reading the stats. All right. Well, you know, uh, I don't. I don't buy that. But we'll. Let's, <laughs> well, and if it is that it's like people, uh, you know, like in countries where like everybody's already double vaxxed and shit. And who knows? You know, I don't know, man. It's just a fucking mess. It's just a mess. I'll just take the vax. That's my policy. Just get the vaccine. That's, that's what they choice. want you to do. Yeah. That's your choice. Yeah. To me, it's like I'm just done with. Oh, I'm just done with all this shit. I really am. And it's like, all right. We're never to me, I'm not someone who <laughs> believes in this shit. We'll never be like, done Yeah, no. I know we're never going to really be done with it, but it's like uh, I'm. I live pretty much the same way I did before the pandemic started. So. You know, so do I. I. I can't. That's all I can ask for. <laughs> so do I. Yeah, I suppose. Um, so let's talk. Let's move on because we're we're sure. you know we could we could go on all night about this and people don't people are tired yeah, of sure. this shit. That's the other part, you know. Like people are just tired of hearing about it. Um. Uh. So we'll just move on. That's, that's why I'm just getting found <laughs> by the answers. Exactly. Yeah, I know exactly. That. Um, so, you know, your claim to fame is these two books and I, somebody, somebody last year and you know, they may be listening. Um, somebody last year on Twitter was like, this just, this was terrible episode. And, uh, you know, you you guys didn't, I think he said the host, even though he's like talking right, right at adding me on Twitter. So it's like, I'm, I'm here. You're talking to me, dude. It was like the host, (laughs) the host didn't seem engaged at all. And and, Hello, uh, and yeah, I'm right exactly. here in so, the room. So yeah, I, I mentioned this to you the other night when we were on the phone. So uh, you know, to that person and to anyone else who's like, oh, what the fuck? Well, you know, look, Bruce has worked fucking six days straight. I'm coming off a long. I'm getting some reverb here, but I'm coming off a long week myself, and and. Um, you know, we're doing this on a different night, and we're fucking tired, and this is the 11th time we've done this. So if we retread old ground, uh, I don't know what to tell you, folks. Like, 
Yeah, it's kind of unavoidable. Eventually, yeah. you're going to say, oh, God, is that guy again? What the hell are you doing so on? Exactly. I mean, my only response to that is uh, what I say to a lot of people. Start your own fucking podcast. And in this instance, start your own podcast. Interview Bruce <laughs> ten times. And then, <laughs> then let me know. Then, then, we'll, then we'll see how, how uh, fr- fresh and engaging your 11th interview with him is. So, you know. Man, we've, shit, done it so man. Many, we've done it so many more times than ten. That it isn't funny. I mean, originally we did, um, what, like three different uh, podcasts uh, for each book. <laughs> yeah, we did like somewhere. a triple cast. Yeah, we did a triple cast originally, and then I brought you back. And uh, I think you might have been on with somebody else. I think we did like a double show, and then, then you were on because you were on in Aurora. I can't remember who it was. Uh, yeah, that was a few years ago. I remember that one. Yeah, and you were on because you were at Aurora when it happened, the shooting, um, and then we had you on uh, oh, yeah, and talk about that. that experience. Yeah. yeah. And we did the, the uh-huh. whole Lost thing. We were we did uh, two or three things on Lost while that was going on. Oh, you were on the Lost cast, too. Okay, yeah. We yeah. had you on Lost cast. So, yeah, I, yeah, Bruce and I, Bruce is a mainstay of this show. And what I like, selfishly, what I like about Bruce being a mainstay of the show is that he doesn't do any other fucking shows. <laughs> so he's not on every every dog and pony paranormal podcast. So uh, he's pretty much been all of America exclusive, which is uh, you know part of part of why I love talking to him. So your claim to fame. To get back to what I was originally going to say, as I come upstairs here now to make some coffee, were was this book, uh, Architects of the Underworld. I guess what interests me to start, and again, this this is what set me off on the rant there. It's like, if we start retreading past material, I apologize to the hardcore fans who've listened to all 10 Ruxgiving specials and all the uh, ancillary episodes. So, but, but how, I suppose the question is to start, like, how did you even, what inspired you to look into all this stuff? Because everybody, you know, everybody sort of has an origin story, um, of how they got interested in this weird material, and then sort of what made you say, okay, I'm going to – because lots of people – I mean, shit, I haven't written a book. Like lots of people um, have an interest in this stuff, and then a very small percentage end up writing a book about it. So like how, how did – tell me a little bit about this journey. How did, how did you get interested in, in sort of uh, – <coughs> it's hard to describe it, sort of the alien, the UFO alien, ancient – ancient alien sort of ideas and um and mars and all that i mean the book is wide ranging covers a lot of stuff so but like the esoteric let's say how did you get interested in all this and what made you say okay i'm going to write a book presenting all this material well i got started all the way back in junior high actually uh, i'd done very little reading at the end of elementary school we had a couple of books around the house uh one of them i think was donald kehoe's books flying saucers are real uh, that was on my brother's bookshelf, so I kind of thumbed through that. And then uh, right about the time I started junior high, uh, that's called middle school now, uh, the ancient astronaut craze was kind of getting into vogue. So I read everything I could on ancient astronauts and found it quite fascinating and uh, simply continued with that. And I had a friend who was doing very much the same kind of research and a lot of research on UFOs as well. So he and I kind of put our heads together and figured things out over two or three years. And interestingly enough, 
practically everything that almost all the conclusions that we came to back then are the conclusions that I came to in my book. But um, it took a while to make sure that I knew what I was talking about, if you can follow yeah. that. Yeah. I had to do a lot of research. Just to, I had to, uh, I had to really do a hell of a lot of research in a lot of areas uh, in order to verify that uh, that what I thought was right was right. So that's yeah. how that started. Uh, then about 1976, uh, we got the face on Mars. Uh, that was right as I was graduating high school, and that was just you know huge news. Uh, originally, the face on Mars, I didn't see. I could see the face. But uh, I hadn't seen uh, what I call the face of Ra in it. Now, that came mm-hmm. with the next set of pictures that came sometime later, about 98, 99, that neck of the woods, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, then I could see it plain as day. And by that time, I was, you know, very thoroughly into research, and I'd already uh, uh, started where I'd gotten my books written and out. And so it had to have been a little bit earlier than that when those pictures came out. Uh now I can't recall exactly when it was, but uh, that continued it. Uh, I also happen to know a couple people that I'm reasonably convinced are abductees, and as a matter of fact, they think they are too. Uh, I mean, independently of my – I didn't suggest it to them. They thought so. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I managed to talk with them. <clears throat> and at the time, I mean, I remember one of them reporting uh, to me, it would have been in, uh, I want to say, 81, 82. It was right after I'd gotten back from my first stint in grad school. Um, someone made a special trip over to my house who I had grown up with. I mean, we went through elementary school and junior high together. And um, she had had an experience that definitely shook her. And I didn't know what to make of it at the time. But she told me all about it, and she was very detailed. And I asked her questions, and she was able to answer them quite lucidly. And I didn't know exactly what it was she was describing, and I, I in no way connected it to the UFOs, neither did she. But then years later, when I was uh, into UFO abduction research, it occurred to me that literally everything she was telling me was exactly what was coming from UFO abduction research. Uh, so that kind of got me um, moving more heavily into that area, uh, looking into that more thoroughly. And she wasn't the only one. I've known others. And the stories were quite consistent. I mean, there was no hypnosis involved. What she was telling me, she'd had this incredibly lucid nightmare of uh, basically going undergoing a medical examination by what she called uh, a succubus. And I said, you, you mean an incubus, right? That's a male demon. She said, no, it was female. Uh, she didn't know how. She said it had a female voice, but it didn't have any features that she could recognize. She described it great, basically. It had yeah. suction cup-tipped fingers and... Uh, it was telling her just to relax and everything would be nice. It was actually very pleasant. Uh, it said, said, we're just doing a routine examination. You'll be fine. Just relax. This will be done in no time. And they uh, used some suction cup-tipped fingers on either side of a scalpel or something like, picked it up on either side and kind of started edging it into her, and then she just freaked out. And that's when she woke up, and she lived alone in an apartment, and her apartment's locked, and her window's locked, and there could not possibly be anyone in there. But she woke up, and she was just horribly freaked out. And the first thing she did was, I think, call her mom. And uh, then she came over to my place and told me about it for some reason. I'm not even sure why. Uh, but, I mean, I listened to her very attentively. And like I said, I asked uh, intelligent questions, and she was giving intelligent answers. 
And it, they were not the kind of answers I would expect from someone making up a story because they didn't make all that much sense. And like I said in, in later years, what she was saying was completely consistent with what other people mentioned in UFO abduction. So I'm sure that's what it is. And that, if nothing else, that answered the question for me. Well, I'm convinced this is real. And, it, you know, whether or not it is a UFO abduction, it's real, whatever it is. Now, I came to yeah. the conclusion that, yes, it is a UFO abduction, but that was kind of what pushed it a little harder for me in uh, getting the research in. And uh, I was very heavily into that research right about the time that I got in touch with Sitchin and ended up um, going on his first Egypt tour. That's really where I started with all that. Yeah. And what made you say, okay, I'm going to write a book, though? Like, there's tons of people out there who do all this research and just, you know, just just are content with knowing what they know. What made you say, okay, I need to tell people about all this stuff? <laughs> that? <laughs> I don't know if I've told this story before or not. When I went on the tour with Sitchin, the guy who was my assigned roommate was a guy named Lloyd Pye. I can mention oh, his name. Oh, the late great Lloyd now. Pye, yeah. Yep, the late yeah. great Lloyd Pye. Star uh, Lloyd Pye is a UFO. Oh, yeah, yeah. This guy was uh, Army counterintelligence back in the Vietnam War. And, uh, I mean, he said so on his own website, so it's not a secret. Uh, I mean, he was also CIA. He didn't say that, but that, that's who this guy was. He was also one of the uh, people that was... Uh, interviewed when the movie Stargate was being made. I know because exactly the story in the novelization of Stargate of the first night that Colonel O'Neill is on Abydos is word for word what Lloyd did on our first night in Luxor. I mean, he told me all about it the next morning, and word for word, there it was in the Stargate novelization. Just, you know, what like did he do? Months later. Oh, I don't remember the... He, he was just going out and... Uh, socializing with the locals, uh, but he told me various stories that they had told him, and those ended up in the novelization. And um, he, just all the things that that he told me ended up in that novelization is what Colonel O'Neill was doing. So, Interesting. And he did have uh, a couple, he had some Hollywood connections. He'd had, uh, I know he had at least one novel published. I've got it. I haven't read it through, but I've got it. Uh, I found it in a used bookstore at one point. So he did have some connections, and I'm sure that that was part of it. But, you know, he was my assigned roommate. <laughs> he was kind of asking why, uh, whether I would consider writing a book, and at the time I was not considering writing a book, but I recognized that I had stepped in it, as I put it. I said, okay, I've got a fucking CIA roommate assigned to me on a trip, and this whole trip of the CIA prospecting trip, frankly, half the people there were already agency, and the other half were guys like me who they were prospecting. Yeah. Uh, so once I realized I had stepped in it, I said, all right, they're all fucking around me now. And I already knew that because I'd been reading my mail and opening it up. I was put through what was called a DCII check, uh, DCII. That's a Department of Defense Central Index of Investigation check. Uh, this is – and Lloyd told me – all about that. Well, we were together. I mentioned that, and he said, well, let me tell you exactly what that was. Uh, you sent letters to some various people. You sent one to uh, Pat Schroeder, who at that time was on the Armed Services Committee and happened to be our representative or our senator, whichever it was. 
And the second that that went in there, she never even read it. What happened was a reader picked it up. Uh, UFOs were mentioned in it, so your name was automatically stuck in a hopper. That automatically put you under investigation. Uh, just in case, you know, someday you go crazy and you shoot a bunch of people from a water tower, then they can point to it and say, see, this guy was a nut. And I'm thinking the whole time he's saying that, why the fuck would anyone ever think that, and why would they be that paranoid? But, you know, he's just telling me this. And he said, well, the good news is, you passed. Uh, no one's come knocking on your door. No one's come bothering you. That means you passed. Uh, so you, you basically qualify for top secret clearance. And then the question of whether or not uh, I'd ever considered writing something came up, and I hadn't. But once I had left, uh, once I was done with the trip, I said, you know, I think I'm going to. <laughs> I, I might as well. I do have a hell of a lot of research under my belt. And I've really got two choices here. I can either roll or, well, three. I can uh, take the CIA invitation, which I didn't. I can... Uh, roll over, go to sleep, pretend I never discovered any of this, and just not talk about it. Or I can just put everything that I know out there and let people decide for themselves. And that's just the way I roll, so that's what I did. All right. But that's how that happened. Okay. So, interesting. So why... Lloyd, was working on his, well, Lloyd was working on his Star Child hoax at the time, by the way. He was just starting into that. The old Star Child skull. I wonder whatever became yeah. of that thing. I'm sure someone has it. Well, it was very heavily debunked. I read the uh, anthropologists who debunked <laughs> him and how they debunked him. Uh, he was fudging information and pretty much outright lying on a few things. So, it, yeah, I mean, I never did believe it, but I understand the official debunking of it and why. Well, here's the thing. He was, he was just like, that. yeah. I've become really cynical, as the listeners know by now. I've become really cynical over the years, having been involved in this field for like almost 20 years now. And uh, to me, it's like, okay, dude, you've got an alien skull, right? That's what the, that was the that was the the claim. It's like, look, man, if you have a fucking alien skull, like it can't be that difficult to prove, right? Like, like, right. like, I could have a cat skull, right, and be like, I have a mystery skull, and I take it to a place and a specialist or whatever, and they'll go, oh, that's a cat. And even if it's like some misshapen, funky cat skull that that doesn't look like a cat skull, they can still like, I don't know, poke it with a needle and pull something out of it, DNA or whatever, and go, okay, boop, 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 uh, it's a cat. <laughs> like, like, so if you have so an alien skull, yeah. Well, this is one of the ways. This is one of the ways he was fudging information. He said that it had undergone those tests, and I know it, I'm sure that it did, and that uh, they could not conclusively prove that it was human. That's true. They could not conclusively prove that it was human because the uh, sample was too degraded. It was too old. They they couldn't determine whether what what uh, species it was at all. They couldn't determine whether it was animal, human, what have you. Yeah. Uh, it, they simply didn't have a decent enough sample. It was too old. Uh, bone is a little bit difficult to, like, DNA trace. Yeah, but I'm still cynical. I think that, like, there's – especially – maybe this was, like, 20 years ago when it was, like, you know, they have quite quite the – this is all advanced quite a bit now to the point where 
I think that they would be able to know right away if it was like human or and even if it wasn't human, like that they would find something that would make it alien. You know what I'm saying? It's not just that it mm-hmm. oh we, we can't we can't prove that it's human or not. It's like they would see something oh we've never Pardon seen this wrong. before. What's that? Uh oh. Yeah. It's like why why you know, they would find something in this star child skull that they would be like, Oh, this is this is one of a kind. This is unlike anything we've ever seen before. And um and then it would have then it would have been a huge thing. So to me it's like I have yeah. a, a good friend who's done the show a million times and uh Tyler Coke John and sort of the whole thing is like I get this idea that like scientists are some of them don't want to rock the boat or they don't want to like fuck with the establishment and shit. But it's like if you could prove that a skull was from an alien, like like you're getting the Nobel Prize, dude. Like that, right. <laughs> you know, we're not talking about some goofy, like some. Well, it is goofy, but we're not we're not talking about some some uh, dumb thing. It's like no, you, this is an earth shattering. Like you're you're up there with Einstein level um, discovery kind of thing. So you're you're up with like Madame Curie. It's like you you found an alien skull. Like you proved it. So. I don't buy this idea that like scientists that every scientist is like afraid to, afraid to take on the system. Like, no, I don't. I don't buy that. No, not all of them. A, a number of them are. Uh, in the, the case of oh, the yeah, star child sure. skull, uh, the consensus, which I agree with, is that it's just a misshapen human skull, like a baby yeah. skull. And I believe they found it in uh, Mexico around the Mayan area, if I recall correctly. And they were known for misshaping skulls. There were several ancient cultures that deliberately bound skulls and made them misshapen to make them look more like the gods, actually, was the rationale. So my guess is that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a whole thing uh, a couple years ago, well, like an alien, a a quote-unquote alien, they found, like, in the desert of Peru, and they had, like, pictures of it, and it looked like a little alien. But it was like it turned out it was, you know, like a child who was born, who, you know, who, bo- who was born and died, and had like a yeah. some kind of, you know, disorder or whatever. You know, degenerative I don't know what you call bone it, disease yeah. or something of that sort. Exactly, exactly. See, see, you know the science. I'm, I'm just, I'm just the dusty roads. Uh, I'm just the common man here. But yeah, you had some kind of degenerative thing, and and the person died, and then, uh, yeah. So, so to me, it's like this whole idea of like, oh, I found an alien and shit. I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. If you've been around this business long enough, this field, it's like the, it's like the more outlandish the claim, um, it's like get the fuck out of here. I've seen it all. I've heard it all. Like, so if you, if you, if you found a dead alien. Just, just. I have a mantra that I say lately. Just show me the fucking alien. Just, just get, get yeah. me. If you have, a, if you're friends with an alien, if you know an alien, if yeah, get the fucking the alien out here and let's, let's, let's end this thing. Stop, stop telling me. Oh, I talked to the alien last night and he says no. Just I don't want to talk to through you. Get me the fucking alien and then we'll then then, then come back and talk. So. That's that's my that's my policy on all this, which kinda, I guess kind of brings me. We can get back to the book in a minute, but have you been following all of this? Uh, there's a lot of tumultuousness here surrounding the UFO phenomenon. The government's really uh, 
sticking their sticking their nose in this business of UFOs uh, since I mean we've been talking about it you and I over the years since this New York Times thing came out uh, in 2017 uh, around Christmas time right after we had done the 2017 Rucksgiving but. It's been developing over the last, like, four years now. Uh, have you been following all this? I mean, they put out a big fucking report in June. Well, it wasn't very oh, yeah. big, and it wasn't very revelatory, but it, they put out a oh, report yeah. overhyped that UFO fans, uh, flying saucer buffs, well, were all excited about. But uh, it turned out to be a big nothing burger. But have you been following this? What do you? What's your take on all, all this, the machinations of the government and UFOs? Well, why it's coming out now is a little curious. My guess is that they're setting up the alien invasion long in advance. Uh, They were plotting all the way back in the 1950s or at least the early 60s to stage an alien invasion at some point or another. Uh, First, they're going to go through the other gamut of, you know, catastrophes and and scares. Uh, Pandemic had not come across anyone's desk at that point. No one had thought of it. Uh, They were going with terrorists, uh, meteors or asteroids maybe hitting the Earth, and the last one would be the alien invasion scenario. And all of, the, all of these things would be staged. It's just a question of when to trot them out, when to make them happen. So my guess is that they're laying the groundwork for that, but, I mean, that could be 20 years down the line. Uh, and right. why they're coming up with it now, I'm not exactly sure. Um, as for the way that it's mostly getting out, I mean, we are getting mainline stories on it. 60 Minutes did a piece on all this. Uh, when, when it hits 60 minutes and they're not debunking, then, you know, you've got something serious going on. <clears throat> so that's been taking place. New York Times has written about it. We've had several Navy pilots coming out and talking about it. Air Force pilots have been talking about it. People that were involved in the uh, Malmstrom Air Force Base nuclear sabotage incident, incident have been talking about it and other nuclear sabotage incidents. Um, these these are public knowledge. They did make uh, public news at the time that they happened or shortly after. Uh, Malmstrom was 1966-67, and I think by 1971, uh, Parade Magazine had actually written a story on it, and a senator picked it up and said, hey, how come I've never heard any of this? <laughs> Why do I not know about nuclear sabotage taking place at, at our nuclear missile silos? And so they did an investigation on it, and it was like every other investigation. They said, well, we'll look into that. Oh, well, you know, some stuff happened, and that's it. They don't go into any detail. <laughs> but... What's happening now, a lot more of that's being admitted. Uh, and unfortunately, the um, the primary channel of that's coming out of outside of the mainstream is from Tom DeLong and Luis Elizondo. Luis Elizondo is one of those Ballyhoo guys. He's he's basically in the disinformation school. And if his name is attached to something, you got to know he's doing this officially. Uh, he's on the job. It, it's his job to get this information out, whatever it is he's telling you. And he's doing that for the government. And Tom DeLong, I read an extensive interview with DeLong. Uh, it was an excellent interview. Uh, I don't remember if it was a radio interview. I was reading a transcript. I don't remember if it was a radio interview or a magazine interview or what, but he, he was very, very thorough and detailed and quite forthcoming about exactly how he had been drawn into all of this stuff. And uh, he named names except for uh, the people that he talked to who were executives at, say, Raytheon, or uh, Boeing, or any of the, the major corporations. He, he didn't name names there. But he mentioned everyone else, like John Podesta, and, and all that, and getting drawn into it. Now, 
his story, I believe 100%. I'm sure he was he's telling the exact truth about how they went about it. Uh, they're very slick, and they do it in stages. And, you know, it said, well, uh, so-and-so said it's time to meet uh, some guys in the corporations, and uh, I hope that I've made an appointment and we can do this. And months go by between these various interviews. And, uh, for instance, he'll, DeLong is through shadowy conduits introduced to three executives from airline corporations, electronics corporations, what have you. And they ask him to talk about what he knows, and he does, and they listen, and they don't say a whole lot. And they say, that's very interesting. Thank you for your time. And away he goes. And, you know, more weeks and months go by. And then, uh, oh, guess what? Uh, so I have some people that want to talk to you. Uh, there's one guy from the Pentagon. And uh, there's this other guy, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they drag him through the Hall of Mirrors for a while. Until eventually, it's all through this. What I'm waiting for is for the other shoe to drop. Saying, when's the penny going to drop on this? And sure enough, he finally reaches a, a high enough point where someone drops the alternative three story on him, or alternative nine, whichever it was. I think it's alternative three. Uh, and as soon as I heard the first line of the alternative three story, I said, okay, there it is. That's the penny I've been waiting for to drop. Now that they've got him sucked in and he believes it's all completely legit, they're going to start feeding him the bullshit. And that's what they're doing. So, you know, Tom is now sincerely believes that he's helping the government fight an, a, an evil alien menace. And even if that is true, I don't believe it is, but even if it is true, what they're telling him is just a bunch of shit. He didn't have to go into great detail. He, t- he mentioned just like one or two sentences, and I said, this is the alternative three story. Thank you very much. Now I know exactly where we're at. So if it had been me and I'd been dragged through that entire mess, I would have played straight face too right up to that point, and that probably would have been when I would have cracked my Columbo smile and said, you're lying to me, sir. <laughs> yeah. And spelled out exactly why. Um, yeah, well, it's interesting, that's for sure. It's certainly, um, I'm very put off by a lot of this because I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in a sense where, uh, you know, I was, I'm still really interested in all this stuff. I've been interested in all this for like, uh, I think it's like 18 years now. So I like this, I just rounded up to 20, but I've been following all this craziness for like 20 years. And, um, you know, it wasn't until this story came out in the New York Times like four years ago um, that the, this, the the threat aspect of this UFO phenomenon kind of came to the fore. Like it was always a possibility, and it was sort of always one of the one of the one of the poss- one of the possible. Uh, stories behind the UFO phenomenon, where it was like, okay, they, you know, they might be here to help us, they might be here because they're indifferent, or this could be dangerous. And it was like, for the most part, with the exception of the researchers who talk about UFOs and nukes, there was never any sort of like, oh, this could be bad, something bad could happen, this is a threat to the country, until uh, until it came out that you know that they were assessing the threat of of UFOs allegedly. So to me, it's like, okay, this whole thing stinks of, like, some kind of I, – I believe the whole thing we're watching, um, and they could be prime, priming the pump for an alien invasion scenario to down the line. But I, part of it, I think, is a lot of, like, geopolitical gamesmanship 
and and sort of showing off our toys and showing off maybe showing other countries like we know what you have and that kind of thing and sort of couched all couched under like oh we don't know what these things are because it's like well they don't want to fucking go like <laughs> like like the people the flying saucer buffs who follow the story they get all pissed off when you kind of like bring this up but it's like what in what in what world would it be, it be of interest of the government to go well, these are Chinese, these are little vehicles that the Chinese have invented that they're flying around near our ships and fucking with our pilots and stuff. Like, what's the, what, what do you think the public response to that is going to be? Well, we can't allow that. We need to tell China to stop. It's like, you know, we, we don't want to fucking go to war with China over little drones and shit. So it's like, let's just try and kind of keep this all contained and, and within a narrative that, like, we, plausible deniability kind of thing. Yeah, there's a certain amount of that. Uh, if it weren't for the flight characteristics of these things, uh, they're beyond any earthly technology that, that anyone can really conceive of at the moment. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're alien. I believe they probably are. Uh, they're hanging around warships, nuclear warships, which is completely consistent with what they've always done. I mean, they were doing this back in the 1950s and 60s, is my point. Uh, but there's nothing that these are doing that has not been recorded for decades now, going all the way back. And certainly the Chinese and the Russians or the United States uh, had anything of, of these kind of capabilities at that time. And these are the, what we're spotting in the skies today are doing the exact same things they were doing back then. So is it possible that someone has actually achieved that level of technology? And could it be from China or Russia or something? Yeah, possibly. Uh, I tend to doubt it just because of the consistency of the reports and how far back they go. But I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah, I'm specifically talking about like these modern – cases that they're showing video of and shit that the government's showing video of. That's I'm not I'm separating this from the overarching UFO phenomenon, if you will. You know oh, what I'm I saying? Know. Yeah. I get yeah. that I get that there's always been sort of they've always kind of like crossed paths with our stuff. I'm mostly talking about this latest thing with the government's like, oh they here's a video of this thing that happened. To me it's like I don't I don't tax. buy it. Yeah. The tic tacs. Yeah, and I believe there's probably are alien spacecraft. I, I wouldn't bet on it, but yeah, I, I think they're probably alien spacecraft. Could they be Russian or Chinese? Yeah, that's possible. Could they be the United States test flying something? That's also possible. Uh, I wouldn't rule any of those things out. It, it's certainly a possibility. What really matters is the point that they're just publicizing it at all and paying serious attention to it. And my initial thought was they're only doing this so they can do a quick debunk after, which didn't come. That didn't happen. And it's at the point now where I was just reading an article today. I don't remember what senator or representative it was. I think it was a senator um, who was uh, it's called ASPRO, I believe, ASPRO or something like that, which was basically uh, proposing a particular governmental uh, body to investigate the potential threat of these things. We've always had governmental bodies investigating the potential threat of these things. That's what the CIA and the NSA have been doing all these years, in addition to a whole lot of other things. But that's what they've been doing from the start. So <laughs> these people don't know that. <laughs> I mean, you can show them. You can say, look, I can show you where they started these various programs and, and how they've been hiding them and all of that. But they don't know, and they don't care. They think, oh, this is new, because it's the first time they've heard about it. And if they do hear about stuff preceding Project Blue Book, um, they'll just go, oh, well, okay, so they were kind of looking into it, but it must not have meant anything because they didn't say anything about it. But no, they don't say anything about it. They keep it secret instead of every other government. 
But, yeah, we've got a lot of uh, politicians now that this, this is their first exposure to it. They didn't know. Yeah. Well, that's that's interesting. That, yeah. Well, a lot of these people are just like us in a sense. I mean, uh, I don't know how old you are, but it's like it's a generational thing, I think, too, where they came they came up watching the same shit we did. So it's like they're a little less jaded to the idea of UFOs and aliens and shit like that. Um. Now, what do you know about the report from Iron Mountain? Uh, Zach Copley in the chat uh, was asking about that. I had vaguely heard about it, and while you were talking, I kind of did a Wikipedia lookup of it. But, uh, but what, what, what do you think of that whole story? And tell, I guess, do you know about it? You know about the report from Iron Mountain? Yes. All right, oh, yeah, tell people what it is, and then give us your thoughts on 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 it in general for uh, my boy Zach Copley in the chat. Well, it's widely debunked as being uh, – I'm not saying that it's false. It's widely debunked as um, being basically conspiracy theory stuff, uh, primarily anti-Semitic in nature, trying to uh, create a belief in uh, this overarching cabal that secretly rules the world and all this other stuff. If it is that, then it – it isn't exactly written in such a way that it's going to be taken seriously. But at the same time, what it has to say is not far off what's actually going on in the world today or has ever been going on in the world. So even if it is debunked, it doesn't mean that it wasn't put out there as kind of a disinformationalist ploy. Um, it's an interesting bit of research material. Uh, you can't quote it as factual but you can look at it as a sort of a springboard into the mind of uh, the way that secret balls do run the world. It's essentially outlining how things are done, whether it's legit or not. Are you talking about – are you confusing this with the Protocols of Zion? Because the, the, oh, the, uh, maybe I am. I think maybe you I are, yeah. I thought the report on Iron the, Mountain was the same thing, though. Uh, no, the, I'll give you a brief thing. The report on Iron Mountain was an alleged – it came out as a book in 1967, and it was allegedly uh, sort of a tell-all whistleblower uh, account of a secret government meeting where they determined that uh, everlasting peace would actually be detrimental to the United States. So this was like a secret United States uh, American panel, and so they came up with various um, – various ways to ensure that uh, the United States stayed in some kind of uh, perpetual state of, of not necessarily war, but either war or, um, uh, you know. Perpetually uh, kept afraid. Yeah, yeah. They were, they, yeah, and some of the things were like, uh, one of the big ones was the, the, an alien invasion. And another one, another one. Yep. Interestingly, here was uh, the threat of quote gross pollution of the environment, which is pretty much what we're hearing nowadays about uh, global warming yep. and everything. So, um, and then that was a, a purported. I guess that is. Uh, it's been. I guess it's been debunked, but at the same time, um, it, it seems was debunked kind of by way of the. It was debunked by way of the protocols of Zion, uh, because it's recycling a lot of that stuff. Uh, the thing is, if you look at what the World Economic Forum is doing today, and UN Agenda 2030, uh, COVID, the Great Reset, all of that stuff, this is exactly what they were talking about. And it is exactly what the CIA has always done. And by the CIA, 
I mean the CIA, the KGB, MI6, uh, Chinese intelligence, they all do this. It, is it sort of a blueprint for actual intelligence operations in the world? Yeah, it is. Whether someone calls it debunked because of its sources, if it's debunked because of its sources, then it's misinformation. But the information that it's giving is essentially accurate. We're seeing it actually play out in the world right now. We've watched it play out for decades. Uh, for instance, Operation Northwood. Uh, people used to think Operation Northwood was not real. Operation Northwood was during Kennedy's administration. Uh, that was a false flag attack, a plan for a false flag attack to blame on Cuba in order to blame Russia. Right. And it was publicized right before 9-11. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was very funny. But, oh, look, we found this Operation Northwood. Uh, it was a false flag attack to get people involved in a fake war. And then 9-11 happened, like the next day or the next week. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the way they um, operate, and they always have. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of connects to the idea of the of the fake alien invasion, which I think we kind of oh, yeah. are touching on here. That's why – that's what I was saying by – I I don't necessarily think that they're, they're going to go all the way with the alien invasion like in our lifetime, but I think uh, – If they're doing I it now, think I'd like, probably about 20 years. Yeah, I, I, well, I'd we'll about see. Years. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens when whether we're around. We're either one of us around twenty years. So, the, but to me, yeah, I definitely think that there's a, they're there's a, they're painting the aliens as or whatever the visitors or the UFOs. They're painting them as, as a threat and and something that needs to be addressed. Um, and you know, it's funny. To me, what's interesting is even the politicians and everything, they're like, we need to – I guess they don't want to look silly or, like, they don't want to be ridiculed. And I can kind of understand that. But, like, if you – it's funny that if you, like, look at any <laughs> any of these quotes from any politicians and shit, like, no one – no one – none of them ever say, like – none of them ever go, hey, look, if if this is <laughs> – if this is people coming here, we would like to talk to them. We, we, you know, no one ever sort of like, like puts forward this peaceful interpretation of the thing where it's like, hey, maybe they are probes from another civilization, and you know, we should, we need to figure out what they are because if they are probes from another civilization, that could that could be a good thing. Like no one ever sort of puts forward the idea that this could be a good thing that these whatever they are are coming here. It's always like we need to get to the bottom of these things. What's that? I can tell you why. That's very simple. Behind the scenes, yeah, I'm sure they've been doing that from the start. But really, no government agency of any government wants anyone to pay attention to UFOs at all because there are simply too many questions that can't be answered. But if they are going to pay attention to it, then they want the people who are paying attention to it to be frightened of them because if people are frightened of them, they get more defense expenditure. They get more in the appropriations and the budget. So, of course, they want people afraid of them. They want people afraid of the Russians, afraid of the Chinese, afraid of everything. Look what's happening with COVID. Now, what kind of appropriations are we giving to the people that are rushing these shots out to everyone? They're, getting, they're making money hand over fist because that's what we're funding right now. This is the fear we're funding. That's how it works. Um, have you... 
Uh, Jim Vujovic in the chat wants to know, have you watched the American Horror Story on Eisenhower and Valiant Thor? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. All right. Well, what do you think of that? I haven't seen it. I only watched one season of American Horror Story, and it was the clown season. Do you watch that show at all? Right. Other than that, that, that you, all right, yes, you know what I've I'm seen, talking about. I've seen the entire series. I've seen the entire series. Okay. I've only seen the clown season, and I thought it was pretty good, but I, I don't know. It just kind of left me wanting afterwards where I was just like, okay. I mean, it was actually, now that I think about it, it was like really good, and I thought I maybe I'll get into it, but then and once the clown season was over, I was like, ah, I don't know. No, I, I, I think the bad guy in the clown, what's that? I didn't care for that season that much. It wasn't one of their better seasons, I didn't think. Yeah, I should probably give the, uh, it another shot and watch the Valiant Thor one. Because, um, uh, yeah, because I, I think I just found the clown, the leader of the clown cult, so obnoxious that I was just like, all right, all right. <laughs> like, like, why do I keep watching it? I'm only watching this because I know eventually they're going to fucking kill the leader of the clown cult, and I, I just want that to happen. But it just got more and more ridiculous, and it was just like, okay, now this, wait a minute, this person's been. I'm spoiling everything for people, but I don't really care. But it's like, wait, it's like, wait a minute. This person... Trust me, they'll watch it anyway. They'll watch it anyway. Yeah, it was like, wait a minute. So this person who I thought was okay, like a good person from the very beginning of the series, now is now here in Episode 7. They've been working with the clowns all along. Like, like it turned out, essentially by the end of the, by the, end of the season, it was like... Everyone was in <laughs> was on yeah. was on Team Clown <laughs> except for like one lady, the the protagonist of the show, and it was like every person like was like in league with the clowns, and it was like okay, this is fucking ridiculous. So that's I think that's why I was like I can't even with this show. But what is what is this season? What, Tom, what is the story here with the horror story Eisenhower and Valiant Thor? Because uh, I heard a little bit about it, but I haven't uh, checked it out. Is it good? Well, let me preface this just by mentioning a little bit about American Horror Story to begin with. It's Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk who American Horror Story is its own weird animal. It's one of those things that you kind of have to turn your brain off. It's not about it, any intellectual sense. It's about making you feel something. It's almost more like a, an epic tone poem. Uh, so if you can kind of take it on those terms, it's a little more enjoyable. If you're trying to make sense out of it, you'll toss it out of hand because it doesn't make sense. American Horror Story is, is really crazy, but it's a lot of fun. It, it makes for a fun ride. And what he's talking about in particular, uh, this season they did what was called double feature. They had two different um, stories that they were doing. Uh, the first was Red Tide, which was a vampire story. It was picking after uh, a 1971 movie called Let's Scare Jessica to Death, for those that remember. Uh, I was noting lots of things in there and saying, oh, you guys saw that movie too. That cult hit. Well, at least you have faith. And um, <clears throat> the second feature was Death Valley, which is this whole overarching UFO conspiracy thing, which is utterly ridiculous. It comes from Brian Cooper type stuff. Uh, in fact, I think they were used, probably using Brian Cooper for their template. Uh, Bill Brian Cooper, Cooper was a uh, Bill, Bill, Bill Cooper, excuse me, <laughs> Bill Cooper. They were using Bill Cooper for their template. I know a guy named Brian Cooper, and, and he's very much like that. So <laughs> wow. that's how that happened. All right. Anyway, yeah, they're using Bill Cooper for their template the same way that uh, Dark Skies did on Sci-Fi, and it's exactly the same kind of stuff where you have historical figures saying and doing things that those historical figures never said or did, 
I'm going to take a classic case in point being Nixon. They have Nixon being a hard drinker. Nixon was a teetotaler. He didn't drink at all. So I don't think even a glass of wine with dinner on Thanksgiving. It's like, man, do you guys do any research at all? I mean, just any. (laughs) They talk about what they think these characters should be like without knowing anything at all about what the characters really, who these people really were historically. So, yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of watching that because it was utterly ridiculous. But it was fun and ridiculous the way that American Horror Story usually is. Uh, do I think that anything like that is remotely going on? No, not at all. And the funny thing about it is it debunks itself as it's performing. For instance, the aliens have coerced uh, Eisenhower into signing this treaty between him and the aliens, giving them permission to abduct and experiment on human beings. He says, you don't even need any kind of approval from us. You can do whatever you want, and we can't stop you. And they said, well, yes, but if it ever comes out, then we have to have this as leverage against you. They said, well, you're kidding, right? This is ridiculous. How the hell did you come up with this? It's just stupid. They wouldn't be doing any kind of negotiations with us at all. They wouldn't even talk to us. They'd just be doing it. So even the show itself calls attention to its own uh, logic flaws, its own problems. So, yeah, I thought the entire thing utterly ridiculous, but great fun. I mean, if you just want to laugh and have a good time. I mean, they have Nixon being abducted and ass-raped just so he'll go along, so he will resign and not expose the UFO business. <laughs> okay. Really? Or, yes. So, okay, so our hard-drinking Nixon is bothered by an ale probe and is going to resign uh, because it didn't have anything to do with Watergate. It was just a bunch of aliens blackmailed them. Okay, whatever. <laughs> It's, so the aliens it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. So if they, it was fun. Okay, so all right, there you go. That's your that's your review, Jim. Um to circle back to the to the idea of like a manufactured alien invasion, so if do you think you seem to think this is something that's gonna happen. Um do you think that they like what I suppose I guess like what's the what what it, Sort of war game this me. What, what with war game this with me? Like, what would be the point, other than sort of just keeping people in perpetual fear and jetting up a lot of defense money and shit? Like, what would be the point of an alien, like a fake alien invasion? How long? Like, it's just, to me, it just seems kind control. of like ridiculous. Total government control. The reason they're not going to roll it out, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're going to need to, is because COVID's doing it all for them. Uh, they're trying to get total government control of every man, woman, and child on Earth. They want to know everything about you. They want to have complete – they want you in the system so that they know every movement that you're making. They have complete control of your bank account. They have complete control of everything that you do. That's well, here's – I don't control. want to interrupt you, but uh, uh, here's where I guess uh, – I'm in agreement with you, but I also part ways because in a sense, to me, it's just like they already have fucking control over everyone. To me, it's like this idea Not that – yeah, but they can't like they have to they have to they have to have some some semblance of freedom. People have to have some semblance of freedom or else the system breaks down and and they can't have people fucking like riding in the streets and shit or fuck you know, they can't they can't let they can't people show are their riding cars. In the streets. People well, exactly. are riding well, in the streets about the well, There day. you go. So, so do you see what I'm saying though? It's like like to me, uh I think that they I think that they're at a very tenuous point here where it's like how much like 
they already know everything that everybody does. They already they already have all that information. They can already shut someone down and like and like wipe them out. Yes. Out of the system. But they don't so have control. Me, like, they don't have control of your bank account. They don't have control of being able to force things into your body, whether you want them there or not. That's what they're working on now. Uh, they don't have those things yet. They're trying to get them. That's what the vaccine passports are all about. They want to have all your medical information immediately scannable so that it's picked up by absolutely anyone who wants it. What they want is a universal credit system like China's got so that your bank account exists solely by the social credits that the government decides to put in there for you. Uh, you have a limited amount that you can use. You have to use it within a certain amount of time. You can't accumulate anything. They know exactly how much you have at all given times, and they can add to it or subtract from it as they see fit. That's what they want. That's total control. They're one step away from that right now. I mean, it's restricting people from leaving their homes, uh, who they can interact with and who they can't. This is all just a stepping stone to get to that. That's what they're working on. Yeah, well, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I just don't see – to me, it's like I, – I I think it's a foolhardy uh, – I think it's a foolhardy sort of like plan, if you will, because eventually at some point the system, like, I I just personally think, you may disagree with me, but it's like I just think that if they, the so-called powers that be or whatever, um, if they had that sort of like, if they enacted that system of control, it it would just fucking break down eventually, like quickly, I think. Like people would just, just drop out. They just wouldn't fucking do it. It's doing it. For instance, the whole bit with the vax mandates, uh, this happened with uh, – it's happening with United Airlines now, but it happened with Southwest. Southwest lost $75 million over the quarter, over the vax mandates. Now, they deny that. <laughs> they say, oh, uh, no, we had a whole lot of flights grounded because of bad weather that you know wasn't grounding any other airline. Uh, we just uh, had a lot of problems. Yeah, the problems were that everyone was calling out sick. And the reason they were calling out sick was because they knew that they were going to be forced into taking vaccines that they were not in, they were not going to take. So they've got all this accumulated vacation time, sick time, all that stuff. They're going to lose every bit of that. So since they know they're not going to be working for the company any longer anyway, they just take it all together. They say, okay, I'm taking my sick time, I'm taking my vacation time, and they shut everything down. They shut everything down almost completely. Southwest Airlines was a mess. That was national news for the entire time that it was going on. Now, they're not alone. Boeing's having the same problem. United Airlines is having the same problem. Uh, This is endemic now. It's happening. And there are protests in the streets in every country. Uh, Australia especially, uh, Austria, um, Greece, Italy, France, uh, and England. They're flipping everywhere. And they're massive. Now, this is a major shutdown of the system. They're trying to take over the entire system, but there's one problem. If the machine stops working, they don't make money either, and everything that they're trying to do falls apart. And right, that's, that's what, what I'm trying to say. Like, it's a very tenuous situation where it's like if people get hip to the whole scheme, they're going to they're gonna fucking drop out. People are, like you said, and I agree, there are people who are protesting, like, all over the place. So it's like... Um, you know, I don't necessarily, uh, I don't know if they can pull off their plan or something. I don't think it'll work. 
Well, in Australia, they've got their work cut out for them because those people are unarmed. They don't have any guns. Never give up your guns, folks. And uh, there are other inherent problems, and the other inherent problems are why you have backup plans. If this fails, the alien invasion is the last backup plan. That's the one they pull out of their ass when all else fails. But they're going to keep doubling down and tripling down and quadrupling down just over and over and over again because they can't admit what's going on. If people realized what was going on, these people would be dragged out in the streets and executed. They would be hung. So they can't let that happen. They just have to keep doubling down. So they have to keep amping up threats. They have to have more and more threats. Right now, Bill Gates is running war games for a smallpox attack in airports. So look for a smallpox outbreak to start happening in airports somewhere. Why? Because people are wising up the COVID scam. So you have to hit them with something harder. And they just keep hitting you with something harder and harder and harder and keep everyone off balance. The, the entire idea is keep everyone afraid, keep them off balance, and most importantly, maintain control until you can force literally anything you want on everybody. We are kennel training an entire generation of kids right now. Literally, this is kennel training. You know, they're having to wear masks, keep distance from each other, and they can't socially interact the way that, that the human beings should interact. And this is an entire generation, and it's worldwide. They want to train people to be that submissive, and they're doing a damn good job of it. But there are problems, and because there are problems, they have to constantly have greater threats that they can pull out of their ass in order to maintain that level of emergency control that they're never going to relinquish. That is the plan. And the alien invasion, that's the last one. If all else fails, you pull aliens out of your ass. Then you can go with the whole invasion of the body snatchers business and say, well, look, uh, we don't know who's an alien and who isn't, so we have to start segregating people. We have to put people in camps. We have to do A, B, C, D, E thing and rigid control because aliens will destroy us if we don't. That's their final plank. If all else fails, they pull aliens out of their ass. That's how I see it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't necessarily see it all too differently. I just... Uh... I just don't. I just don't think it's like. Uh, <laughs> I just. I just don't think it's gonna work. Or at the very least, I. I tend not to worry about it because to me it's like this is a slow process and I. I'm just a pawn in this whole thing. So to me, it's like I'm not gonna fucking. Oh. I'd be more I'm concerned right if you. I had kids. Because I. What's Look, that? I'm right. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm. I'm very glad I do not have kids right now. What's your Thanksgiving song? No, 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 Pants, no. The cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. Oh, the turkey looks great. Lynn. Thank you for loving me. Lynn. Thank you for being there. Oh, God. Everyone's thanking. Lynn. The whole world's thanking you. Stop. Thanking Lynn. us for thanking Stop. you. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Pants, the cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. Oh, the turkey looks great. Thank you for loving me. Lynn. Thank you for being there. Please. Thank you for loving me. Everyone's thanking. The whole Lynn. world's thanking you. Thanking Stop. us for thanking you. This is probably like a controversial hot, <laughs> hot take. But, uh, like, to me, I don't have kids. So, uh, and, oh, God, people are going to get pissed when I say this. But, like, look. I don't give I don't give a tinker's fig about fucking global warming or climate change or anything. It's like no, I'm either. only gonna be you know why? I'm only gonna be bullshit. here for like another twenty years. So <laughs> so, so that's that's a 
Yeah, that's a you problem. That's not a me problem. Like, sorry, not to well, be incredibly selfish, but it, which I am, and I freely admit that I'm incredibly selfish about that, but I just don't care. Uh, I really don't care what happens to the planet in 100 years. It, it, does, it does not make a bit of difference to me. What's going to happen to the planet is going to happen to the planet. We can't control it that much. The entire global warming scam is exactly that. It's a scam. The, the studies that they're using for this, for instance, Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth, or whatever that's called, uh, portions of that have been pretty well debunked. He's hedging a lot of stuff, and he's fudging a lot of information, and it doesn't exactly add up. But what he's using are studies that were funded by everyone in the World Economic Forum. They are funded by the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds. They are funded by Bill Gates. And they are funded specifically to come up with information that backs what they want. And they want to scare people. Uh, it's very simple. If you, want people, if you want people to research for you and you're giving them grants, you're paying them to come up with the information that you want. And if they don't give you that information, you don't give them the grants. So eventually you're going to find people who will give you whatever information you want for the money that they're being paid. And that's how they get this stuff done. That's how they get these scientific studies that prove whatever they want proven, whether it's true or not. And generally, yeah. it's not. And global warming is like top of that list because right off exactly marching lockstep with COVID is this whole global warming business. They're talking about it openly. They're saying, look, no, build back better President Brandon. It's like, well, no, we have to build back better. We have to do green. We have to do all this stuff. They, yeah, and what's the cost of that? What are you doing with that? How many people are you employing with that? How much are you actually gaining? When it comes to things like electric cars, they want to push all these electric cars. Uh, in order to maintain the electric cars, you're actually going to do more damage to the environment than the cars would. Uh, the cars would be easier on the environment, yes, but in order to, to maintain the batteries, come up with the batteries, you're actually consuming more goods to do that. Uh, it, it's not green. Plus, the very people that are pushing all this green agenda are guys like Bill Gates, who, how many flights is he taking? How many fleets of Learjets does he have? And all these guys in the World Economic Forum, their carbon footprint, any one of them, has got more of a carbon footprint than you know any given state in an entire year. <laughs> so, yeah, well, the I, part I of the thing is, to me, I'm not necessarily, it's not necessarily, I mean, I'm not necessarily that the I don't the believe that it's... have not that, melted. That things are happening. Gore was saying it sure seems like yeah, the weather's Gore gotten... A lot worse than it, you know, than I can remember. But it's also oh, yeah. it's hard to really gauge because uh, you don't necessarily know. They say that's because of climate change, but it's like how the fuck should I know? Um, so, so to me, but I do think we talk about this control aspect. If I, you know, I entertain a lot of conspiracy theories. I don't necessarily know what I believe in anymore. But to me, this idea where you talk Join about how they need they need control and shit, I, I. I haven't ruled out the notion that, like, maybe this whole thing where they want greater control over people is because they're just going to need to kind of, like, lock down society in a way because there are places that are going to become uninhabitable, and the people who live there now are going to need some place to go. They're going to be environmental refugees, essentially. And they're going to – and some of these other countries like us and, uh, you know, places that have space um, – like, people are going to need to come to places that have space because they can't live 
Uh, I mean, there's like a whole country out in the out in the ocean or whatever that's that's like sinking. So it's like well, the, they need to go somewhere. Depop- I forget the name of it. I know what you're talking about. Depopulation is a large part of this agenda. If you, it, I, this argument's been going on. I only remember back in like 1980. There was a movie called ZPG, Zero Population Growth, which bombed. But there was all this talk back then that, oh, my God, you know, there are just too many people in the world. What are we going to do? And that was back in 1980. So, you know, we're considerably further along now. And, yes, we do have a very teeming population on planet Earth. But I'm one of those people that thinks, look, we have natural catastrophes. We do have diseases. Uh, this, it's been an, an historical landmark throughout the ages that if if anything becomes overpopulated, nature takes care of it. One way or another, nature takes care of it. It's what happens in every animal population. I can't imagine it doing anything less for the human population if we ever actually reach that point. We're not at that point. These guys, the ones that fund the studies, are saying, oh, no, at our current thing, we can project X number of people. Yes, that's true. But they did the same thing with zero population growth, and they were wrong in their estimates then. They've been wrong in every single one of their estimates and every one of their models on the COVID business. They know they are wrong. They know they're wrong when they go into it. They push it to scare people, to alarm them, so that if anyone does start to pick up on what's going on, they say, oh, well, this has to be done. There's no choice. We have to do this. No, we don't have to do this. People with a hell of a lot of money and who stand to benefit and are benefiting from it are pushing it. We do not have to do this. No one has to do this. The earth is not going to die. We're going to be fine. Something will well, happen. Well, yeah, if even, if, even if, like, even if the... I'm of the opinion that even if, like, they, you know, there is massive upheaval and disasters and shit and all that, it's like, we'll still, we're like cockroaches, dude. The human race will find a way to survive, even if it's just the super rich people. Like, there's all this shit, like, oh, they have underground bunkers and shit, and I was going to, we'll kind of pivot off this in a minute, but, uh, you know, the human race will find a way to survive, so I'm not, like, worried about uh, what's going to happen, even even down the line. I can even toss some facts out that anyone can follow very easily because this is, this is common knowledge. The fertility rate in human beings has been dropping substantially for quite some time now because we're beginning to overpopulate. It's exactly the same thing that happens in animal populations. If you get too many animals in a given area, their uh, either predators take care of them or their fertility rate drops. I don't know how that works. Nature does it. I don't know how. I don't understand nature enough to go in there and say, well, this is exactly how that happens. But that it does happen is observable. It happens. If you get too many sharks in a given area, the sharks will kill each other. If you get too many rats in a given area, the rats will kill each other. If you get too many of any particular animal, disease will strike them. It just happens. It's happened that way throughout the history of the entire world, and you can point to numerous examples of it. But the fertility rate dropping among, among human beings worldwide right now is an example of that. If we're beginning to overpopulate, nature steps in and says, guess what, stop populating so much. And then they start dying off, and it gets back down to a more reasonable level. So that's that's an example that I can toss out that anyone can check themselves. Now, what do you make of all these uh, fucking billionaires? Um, this kind of ties to what I was saying earlier. Like, they'll figure it out. They'll they'll make sure that they survive. So what do you, what do you make of all these billionaires, uh, you know, racing to get out into space and shit. Well, partly, these guys are all nuts. Uh, 
they want to live forever, and they're not joking about that. In fact, they openly talk about it. Bezos talks about it, and he's heavily invested in it. Uh, I'm sure Elon, Elon Musk is invested in it, uh, and I'm quite sure that the rest of them are too. They uh, they call it transhumanist philosophy, and transhumanist right, philosophy right. is kind of being pushed on us. Uh, this is the whole linking man with machine, linking the human mind into the cloud, and somehow attaining immortality, at least for those that can afford it. And a ridiculous amount of money has gone into uh, trying to prolong lives. And you know which lives yeah, like the, prolong. Yeah, like the idea of like they, they put your <laughs> sentience into a computer somehow. Like you live, right. you continue to live within the computer, right. which to me is like, fuck, fuck that. But But go on. Well, actually, I, I wouldn't want to live in a computer. No, no. But I, I, I can give you kind of an example of that. Uh, are you familiar with what William Shatner is doing right now? He's involved in a uh, particular project. I forget what it's called. They're basically trying to download his person or upload his personality so that his grandkids and future generations can still talk to it after he's dead. It's a very interesting idea. And in, in a very limited way, it works. It's extremely yeah. clunky right now. Uh, I see what well, they're trying 90, to get. Well, he's 90, so you better hurry the fuck up and figure it yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's getting up there. Uh, in any event, uh, oh, now I forgot what I was going to get off with that. Uh, there's some point I was about to make. <laughs> That's all right. Well, you're it's talking about transhumanism and, you know, stories oh, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah. Yeah, I remember what it was. They're basically trying to come up with Jor-El in the Fortress of Solitude. Uh, ultimately, this is what they want, uh, an artificial intelligence personality program that is pretty much the personality it represents, whoever it was, even after that person is long dead. And, right. yeah, you know, in theory, somewhere down the line, they might actually achieve that. But we're talking a long way off. And these guys all seem to think that it's going to happen. Oh, no, we're on the verge of it. We're going to get this. We're going to get this. Elon Musk recently had a thing where uh, they had brain implants in monkeys, in chimpanzees. Yeah, I saw that. And Right. And they were saying that the, the interlink uh, with the implants in the monkeys' brains enabled them to play video games or something like that. Well, it turns <laughs> out that story was premature. That was not happening. <laughs> What they were seeing yeah. was uh, neural impulses that said, well, th this will eventually do that, or we believe this will eventually do that, based on these neural impulses that we're seeing. Okay, well, yeah. that's a far cry from saying that you've done it. <laughs> you, know, you, you can't yeah, just make yeah. that kind of announcement. Well, so, you know, you and I disagree on the vaccine and shit, but I can promise you this. Like, I'm not letting anyone stick any shit in my fucking brain. Like, so... No. You know, like a microchip or any of that, you know, to me, it, that's that's kind of where I draw the line, uh, you know. And, and how, do you know there but, won't, how do you know it won't reach that point with vaccines? How do you know it won't happen? I can tell I you one thing. I don't want anyone cutting it. Let <laughs> this way. If, if they can inject it into me, whatever, that's fine. But I don't want anyone digging around in my brain. Uh, there was a show. I don't know if you, <laughs> I don't know if you saw it. I, you probably don't have Hulu, but uh, – there was a show about like uh, this 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 like crazy fucking it's a true story like this crazy doctor down in Texas who like was a spinal surgeon and just like fucked spinal surgeries up like left and right all the time. So to me, it's like I'm not letting anyone. I would be very. It would have to be life or death for me to let anyone like dig around in any of my vital shit. 
with a <laughs> surgery wise. So putting well, shit in my brain, you. fucking with my spine, you know, messing with my junk, any of that stuff to me is like, okay, we need I this has to be a life or death situation. But, you know, if they need to put you know, put a put a, a rod in my leg, sure. But what, right. so what do you think I don't know what the fuck led me to that line of thought. But what, so what do you think then beyond them wanting to live forever, which I totally agree with, um, uh, what, do you, what, what do you think the purpose of the going to space, though, is? Because that's different kind of than, than living forever. Well, all the rhetoric about going into space, I mean, making colonies on Mars and all that type of thing or on the moon, we are so far away from that it isn't even funny. We've got radiation problems on the moon. I know why they want to go to the moon. Uh, there's H3 in tremendous quantities on the moon, like a hundred times the amounts you can find on Earth or, or more. H3 is a clean source of fuel, and whoever gets it, there's so much of it up there that you could power entire countries with H3 for just generations. So I can see why industrially uh, the moon is an object, why why everyone wants to attain it and mine it, if you will. Uh, there's stuff that's worthwhile there. But there are all kinds of other problems. There's solar radiation on the moon is outrageous. Uh, and the moon itself is rather radioactive because it's been cooked for just decades with no atmosphere, just exposed to solar and cosmic rays nonstop, I mean, for millennia now. So there's a very severe radiation problem. You have to do most of your mining with machines. Setting up colonies, yeah. I really don't think that's going to happen. Colonies on Mars, I don't see that happening either, not for a very, very long time. Uh, right. We would have to come up with some sort of suspended animation just to get astronauts there. Uh, Are you a moon hoaxer? I forget. Yes. No, I okay, you're a moon hoaxer. Right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll reiterate that for the people who don't know. Um, at the time that I wrote my books, I didn't know how I felt about that. So I just went with the assumption that, okay, yes, we have been to the moon. In any event, I knew we had some accurate information from the moon, whether we'd gotten that from robot probes or what have you. So I was accepting the information that was given as far as that went. But whether we actually went or not, I couldn't say. Uh, after I wrote my books, I thought, no, I don't think we've gone. <laughs> and I did enough research on it, and I said, there, there are just too many problems. I can't see how we could possibly have made it in the technology that we had. Uh, and we had reasons to want to hoax it. So yeah, I believe we did hoax it. I'm a moon hoaxer. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean that there that doesn't mean that there isn't a thing worthwhile to get on the moon, like I said. And as far as getting to Mars, we are so far away from that it isn't funny. We we just have too many logistical problems to conquer. So Elon Musk can talk about it all he wants and act like, oh yeah, in a generation or two we're going to be landing colonists there and setting things up and moving into space. This is all just talk. He knows that's not attainable. Also, it's rhetoric. Uh, he's getting – he's basically contracting with the United States government now. And you know he's sending yeah. up uh, military hardware and stuff like that, uh, spy satellites, surveillance satellites, all that kind of stuff. Well, they're talking about – the else. latest I heard was they're talking about at least uh, sending someone – you know, sending a new team to the moon, you know, landing on the moon again or for the first time if, if you don't believe the first time happened. Um, right. <laughs> within, let's say, within the decade. Because the, the original aim was 2024, which is only three years from now, and now they're like, no, we can't fucking do that. So now they're saying, like, 2026. Now, personally, I believe they went to the moon, but I also believe that 
Um, I think I think there's some some reason why the trips to the moon all of a sudden stopped. I'm more of an alien sort of conspiracy theorist in that regard as opposed oh, no. to a moon hoax. I agree hoax. with you. I think that I think the aliens figured into that. I'll agree with you. Ron. Right, right. So I think they I think they went to the moon, and then they were told like, okay, you can't. You can't go back to the moon because to me, it's it's almost like, and I'm sure there's some science historian, some space historian who could explain this to me. But as a as a, I'm making another cup of coffee so you can hear the oh yeah the, the Keurig put pushing it out like a I baby. I was brewing mine. I, I was brewing mine. I just finished my last cup, and I just finished brewing a fresh pot of coffee right when I called. I haven't opened a beer yet. I haven't opened the beer. I'm just we'll get into the beer in a moment. I, I cannot drink tonight. I'll explain later. But uh, yeah, so to me, right. it's like <laughs> I almost, I almost have to believe that there is some kind of extraterrestrial conspiracy with regards to the moon, because the alternative is that we completely, as a, as a country, as a species, that we completely fucking blew it, like that we. That we may, that we somehow managed to go to the fucking moon, and then just stopped going. And to me, it's like, okay, if if the mainstream version of that story is true, where it's like, okay, well, once we went to the moon, there wasn't any more interest, so we just stopped. The government stopped funding trips to the moon or whatever. It was like, uh, I just, I, it, in order for me to believe that, I have to believe that the country and 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 us as a as a, as a people. Like are completely short-sighted, fucking idiots. <laughs> like, like you know, you don't like when Columbus or whatever when they sailed to America, they didn't just stop. They didn't just go once. Like they went and they kept going and established themselves right. there. So it's like, why the fuck didn't we do that with the moon? It's like we well, just went Maurice, and then we were like, oh, okay. So Maurice I think they Chatelain, were told not to come back. That's what Maurice Chatelain said. Uh, Maurice Chatelain was uh, one of the ancient astronaut authors, actually, and, and he was frequently quoted and cited. Uh, he used to be a NASA mission specialist. He was a very high-ranking NASA individual. Uh, he talked very openly about UFOs, and um, said that we, he said we were warned off the moon, <laughs> just straight up. Right, and right. I, I believe him. I have every reason to believe him. He's, he's a very credible source, and yes, he could be lying, but I just believe him for the same reasons that you're stating. Say, well, why stop all of a sudden? But the really funny thing is, it, as far as getting to the moon, and this is a kind of funny story here, uh, I had come up with a way that we could get to the moon very easily. And interestingly enough, uh, Homer Hickam, who's uh, a NASA, he was a NASA astronaut. Uh, he's written a couple of books. I, I read a book of his where he outlined the exact same thing that I'd come up with. We came up with it independently. Uh, how you could use the shuttles to get to the moon very easily. Uh, you'd only have two problems to solve. We know that we have nuclear propulsion. We've had that since the end of the Apollo missions. That was uh, admitted as though it had never been a question when it, it always has been. You'll still read books saying, oh, if we only had nuclear propulsion in space. We've had it since the end of the Apollo missions. What are you talking about? Uh, anyway, if you have nuclear propulsion and you have a refueling satellite, then it should be extremely easy to take any space shuttle and fly it to the moon like an airplane, frankly. Uh, your yeah. only real problem there would be how to land it and take it back off again without runways, trying to get a base there to do it. And 
This guy had done the exact same calculations that I had and come up with the same solutions. I guess you can do this. If we can come up with skids or something, we can't use wheels. He does have skids uh, until you could get some kind of a permanent landing apparatus up there, some sort of base. Yeah. But in theory, there's no reason that we couldn't have been going to the moon since the end of the Apollo missions, making round trips with the space shuttle. Uh, the only problem there is people would notice the space shuttle's missing. <laughs> you know? yeah. Where are they? What are they doing right now? So, but in theory, we could have been doing it in all that time, and we could be doing it right now. So why aren't we? There's all this talk about how to go to the moon. That's a practical way to do it, and I know it's sound because I, I read a NASA astronaut saying the exact same thing that I was. You can do it this way. At yeah. least in theory, there's no reason you couldn't. It, it should be perfectly doable and quite simple. Uh, so why not? Because, well, Maurice Chatelaine's got a point. We were probably warned off. We were probably told not to come back. I always think well, we'll Superman see. Too. Uh, because it, that's, I, I pivoted off of that for a moment, so just for people who are keeping score at home. So the plan, yeah, so now they're saying 2025, 2026. The, the plan, and I, I, I mean, but look it, well, I assume I'm going to be here for at least 10 more years. So we'll all keep an eye on this. We all should. We all will, right? We have no choice. So, But it's like right. they say, you know, they say that uh, – they say twenty. They say like next year they're going to send the rocket. Who SpaceX is building the rocket, so they're going to send the rocket up uh, to test it, and then they're going to uh, on its own. And then uh, like a year and a half later, they're going to send the rocket up with astronauts, and they're going to go past the moon and come back. And then the third trip, they're going to land on the moon, and they said that that'll be at the very earliest 2025 and I think it's already like in the last few weeks been bumped to 2026. But I mean that's only that's only like 5 years away and uh, like this is the 11th right. edition of the of the Rucks giving special. So it's like I have a feeling we'll be sitting here in in 2026 and we can look back and go okay well that was a bunch of bullshit cuz now they're saying 2035 they're going to get to the moon. So like okay this is at least in my lifetime, you're older than I am. I miss the whole thing. I never, I've never seen anyone on the moon, like other than on TV. You know what I'm saying? On film or whatever. Like I never lived through someone going to the moon. So um, I was, I was three days from my uh, from my 11th birthday when we landed on the moon. I remember it very well. Even at the yeah, time, I, I didn't say. experience that at all. <laughs> so yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. I mean, five years from now. Maybe they, maybe you know, maybe they do land someone on the moon. And even then, it's like talk about moon hoax. Like given everything that, uh, given the technology today, it, there'll be, there'll be, I'm sure there'll be lots of people who just say that it's all been, it's all computer generated and shit. You know. And it, it could be, and this is the whole thing. You know, how how do you know who your daddy was? Because your mama told you so. We're just stuck on information being given to us that we can't verify. So, yeah, if we faked it before, we could fake it again. We could fake any number of different things. We, we do it all the time. Uh, as to actually getting there, I know what the logistical problems are. I would love to see the plans for exactly how they, plan, how they intend to do this, just from a logistical standpoint. I mean, I have pondered – I've talked with a lot of people at NASA over the years, and I have pondered the logistics. We've had serious conversations about this kind of thing because it's interesting. 
Now, they're in the business of getting people to the moon. So, of course, we talk about this kind of stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm utterly fascinated by it. When it comes to the logistics, that's where everything falls apart, the devil's in the details. Like, this all looks good. You've got the propulsion system, blah, blah, blah. What is your lander going to look like? How is it going to operate? Uh, how are you going to deal with radiation problems? I, I, there are all kinds of questions that have to be answered on this. It's one thing to just say, oh, yeah, we can do this. It's another to say, this is how we're going to do it, and this is how we are going to defeat these various problems. Because so far I haven't heard word one about any of that. And that's really what it comes down to. It also well, that's why it's, yeah. Well, but that's why, you, you know, that's why apparently it's going to take six years because they got to figure out how to, how to do all that shit. Yeah. I don't know. They don't even have the rocket yet, as far as I can tell. Like, I don't even right. know if they've even built the, <laughs> the rocket yet. So, um, there was it'll be interesting. One of I don't remember which one of his, his rockets it was. Musk had a rocket going up. And speaking of sabotage, there was a UFO plane his day. I mean, it looked like a classic flying saucer right in the background, right before yeah, his rocket way, blew yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. Right before his rocket blew up. I said, okay, this is the exact same report that we've been getting, you know, 1964 at, uh, I can't remember the name of the base now, and, and all these other bases that have had these, these various test shots. The same story. Here it is. You're watching it happen in real time, folks. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, we have at least, uh, you know, we have some, uh, we, we, we have some, someone saying they should send some robots up. Yes, definitely, uh, definitely they should. Well, it's funny. It's, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe they think that you would, you would be, it, it would seem arrogant to me, but I don't know what these people think. But, uh, it's like they're sending all these rovers and shit to Mars. It's like, why are, why aren't there any rovers on the moon? Like, is exactly. there nothing there worth looking at? So that doesn't make any sense to me either. Um, and the whole thing of like, if you're going to go to Mars, you have to. It makes it, you have to go to the moon first. That that's what, kind of my understanding of it because it makes the most logistical sense to you go to the moon, you establish something there, and then you can go from the moon to other places with much greater much, ease. Much. Easier, much easier. Yeah. Without the gravity and shit. Yep. So the idea was only to create easy. a base on the moon in order to get to Mars. Uh, right. And that probably seems to be the station. most logical thing. Sure. And use a space station around Earth to create a space station around the moon to create a base on the moon in order to be able to do all that. But that's you know a hell of a lot of logistics there. <laughs> step A, step B, step C, and even if you can do a couple of those semi simultaneously. You're talking about a long-term project and a hell of a lot of money. This is not something that's going to happen really quick. Uh, I mean, they've been well, talking about doing yeah. this since the 1950s, for God's sake. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of also – that connects kind of to my overall, like, uh, not caring about, um, you know, climate change and everything, where it's like, okay, well, there this talk of, like, oh, we're going to have – bases on Mars, like, I'm never, like, like, fucking, like, like, no, I just said that they said it's going to take five more years at least to get back to the moon, like, folks, like, like, I don't know how old all you folks listening are, but, like, I'm 42, so then I'll be 47 by the time they, they put people, like, the first people back on the moon, so it's like, 
like I'm way at the back of the fucking line to get to the moon. Like there's no, there's no way. Like you look at like I get oh William they, oh William Shatner got to go and fly above the Earth for fucking five minutes, and he's ninety, so you might be able to do it too. It's like no, n- no. Like I'll if I live to be ninety, I'm still not going into space. Just, sorry, it's just not probably not no. not going to be possible. Yeah, I don't buy it. I remember back, it was January of 1960, and I still have this. One of my dad's old Playboys, uh, there was this, the interview of the month was with all of the top science fiction writers about the world of tomorrow, the world of the future. And every single one of their predictions was so far off base that it's really funny. <laughs> you got Robert Heinlein and... Um, Isaac Asimov and all these other guys saying, well, you know, we're going to have Jetsons cars and we're going to have uh, virtual reality. You won't be able to distinguish these uh, artificial constructions from reality. And we're going to be uh, making turkey dinners out of nothing. It'll just pop into your oven by pressing a button. And all these ridiculous predictions for the future, not a single one of which has manifested. That was in 1960. So... <laughs> I just don't yeah. know what to say. Guys, we're, we're 61 years past all that stuff. You guys are talking out your ass. You don't have any idea what the hell you're talking about. And I have to I have to thank them for entertaining me. But every time I hear about the transhumanist agenda and these rich guys trying to live forever, I think back to that Playboy interview. I go all the way back to 1960, and I just laugh my ass off. Because I've heard all this shit before, man. I heard it in 1960. I heard it in 1970. I've heard it for decades since. And uh, how did that virtual reality thing work out anyway? What was it back in the 90s? They were making all those movies about virtual reality and people getting lost in virtual reality and dying in virtual reality. And uh, we've seen how much of that actually happened. Not one bit. Uh, Virtual reality is as quirky as it could possibly be. So I just laugh at a lot of that. I mean, it it all sounds good, but it's pie-in-the-sky bullshit. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So what... uh we got about 20 minutes left. So what have you been watching on TV? What's your what's your latest uh pop culture recommendations and uh you know, what's your what, what are you into nowadays uh pop culture wise? You in, are you on well, the streaming? Well, I think we last we talked you were into Netflix and yeah. shit and you finally got into the streaming part of yeah. it. But what what what's your what's your status with all that? Well, Netflix has been horribly disappointing. They do nothing but woke programming. Uh so they kind of gone downhill, but um I started watching Chucky just like last week. I got caught up on Chucky. I'm waiting another couple of weeks until they end the first season. Uh, I enjoyed that immensely. I'm having a great time with it. The same guy has been doing the Chucky franchise from the very start. I mean, from the first movie on. So he's doing this series too. And I'm amazed at how much mileage they can get out of one homicidal kid's doll. (laughs) I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I've been catching up on past Doctor Who seasons. Uh, right now I'm in the third season of Matt Smith, because I didn't see them at the time. Uh, I was kind of hit and miss with Doctor Who. Uh, when they when they rebooted the series, uh, I was able to watch up through a lot of David Tennant, but then it, it, my seeing it was entirely dependent on my work schedule at the time. So I only saw about half of his episodes, and then I completely lost track until the beginning of Peter Capaldi because I discovered BBC on my Comcast. I didn't even know. I knew it was there somewhere, but I hadn't found it yet. And uh, right when Peter Capaldi started, I started watching, and I I got through about half of his. 
and something happened with my schedule and I wasn't able to continue with it. So I'm kind of catching up on a lot of old Doctor Who episodes. Yeah. Um, as for new stuff, uh, the first season, I'm amazed because it was CW and it was Greg Berlanti, because Greg Berlanti is, you want to talk about woke. Um, I came across Stargirl right as the thing had finished in the first season, and I flipping loved it. It was exactly what I wanted from a superhero show. Uh, it was bright candy cane colors. It had a lot of dark and kind of scary stuff in it, but it was bright candy cane colors. You had heroes that were really enjoying becoming heroes. It was kind of like the movie Shazam. That's the best thing that that movie does. It's like enjoying being a superhero, you know, Superman learning how to fly and enjoying it, as opposed to what you get from, uh, you know, uh, Man of Steel. Uh, and the first season was just fantastic, and I couldn't wait for the second. Then the second season came along, and I just finished that a couple of weeks ago, and it was a chore. It, it was night and day different from the first season. It was just awful. Nothing happened. The team was all broken up. Everyone was glum and depressed. And there was just nothing the fuck going on with that. I'm saying, okay, now that that's out of your system, hopefully season three will be good. But season one, I loved season one. That was just a kick in the pants. So those are some of the things that I've been watching recently. Um, let me think, what else? Uh, just off the top of my head. Uh, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol has become accessible if you've got cable. <coughs> Another Greg Berlanti, God help us. Greg Berlanti's kind of hit and miss. And Doom Patrol is really flipping weird. You, you've got to kind of be on acid to enjoy Doom Patrol. Um, but I can kind of put myself on acid without taking acid, so I do enjoy Doom Patrol. And I think that season's wrapping up now, too. They're the third season now, I think it is. Um, <clears throat> which, as a matter of fact, maybe I'll watch that tonight. I think it's finished now. And I've only got like two or three episodes when I stopped watching it, and I think it's probably done, so I can finish that. Uh, those are just off the top of my head things that I've been watching. If you name some right. stuff, I can tell you whether I think. I don't know what any of that shit is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch any. Of, I don't know what. I, that's why I've been mostly quiet and like looking at Twitter while you talk about this stuff because I'm like Doom, Doom Patrol. What the, <laughs> the fuck is that? Uh, Doom Patrol. So, so Doom Patrol are these, like, is all superhero DC shows and shit. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Doom Patrol came out when I was a kid. I've got some of the original comic books. It was only out for like, I don't know, three, four years. Uh, it was DC's response to the Fantastic Four in uh, Marvel. And uh, what Doom Patrol is most famous for now, for any of us who have been paying attention, is basically creating X-Men. Because X-Men is just a straight ripoff of Doom Patrol. Uh, it, it was Marvel imitating DC's Doom Patrol for the most part. And Doom Patrol was sort of imitating Fantastic Four. Uh, what they were doing was taking four completely dissocial personalities that did not function very well together and making a superhero squad out of them, which yeah, was kind of Fantastic Four. And X-Men took everything that Doom Patrol did, uh, took all of its elements, just renamed them, and then came up with a whole shit ton of freak superheroes. So it's kind of X-Men, but the Doom Patrol that's out now is not the Doom Patrol that originally started. Doom Patrol has gone through so many retcons and reboots. Uh, what's out now is, I think, Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, which was just nuts. I think that came out around 2000, and it's it, just crazy shit, but it's really fun crazy shit, right? just if you happen to be in the mood. So I just tossed that one out there for the hell of it. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Every time I hear Doom Patrol, I think Paw Patrol. So, so, so yeah. I can't separate the two. So I'm just imagining like this this cartoon with the dogs and shit. Um, all right. Have you seen any good movies lately? Uh, we last year we talked about the the Wonder Woman that came out on Christmas. Did you see the new Wonder Woman? It's a lot. We're really behind now. We're like 11 months. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we can spoil it, well, but um, I thought it was kind of lousy. Well, all, all of the criticisms of it are valid. I'll tell you what I did like about it, though. Every single criticism I've heard of it is dead on the money. It's got all kinds of problems, no question of that. But the one thing that I liked about it, uh, as opposed to its predecessor, was, first off, it, it was boy, exactly what I was saying about Stargirl. It's candy cane colored, and it's comic book. Uh, the, Wonder Woman, the, the Wonder Woman 84 is a comic book. Where the first Wonder Woman isn't at all. One, the first Wonder Woman took itself way too seriously. Uh, both movies are enormously too long. They're just way the hell too long for what they are. So for all of its gross flaws, and I admit those in Wonder Woman 84, I did at least enjoy the, the straight comic book uh, aspect of it. That I liked a lot. Yeah. Um, both movies, I thought, they're not bad. I thought the first Wonder Woman was grossly overrated, and I still think that. Uh, it was just because, oh, look, a female director did this. Therefore, this is the best thing that ever happened. No, it's just a superhero movie, and it's got some pluses and minuses, and it's way too goddamn long, and it takes itself too damn seriously. Um, and the second movie, way too goddamn long. It doesn't take itself as seriously, and it's much more comic book and kind of enjoyable in that in that regard. But, no, nah, they're sort of so-so. Uh, I happened to see Halloween Kills because they were showing it on... Uh, Paramount Plus or whatever it was. Oh, you got uh, Paramount whatever Plus? Was, I had it. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I had it. I don't know if I've still got it or not. <laughs> whatever they were showing it on, it, it's like Wonder Woman 84. It was on um, HBO Max. And at the time, it, it, you know, all you had to do was just register and you had HBO Max. So I watched Wonder right, Woman right. 84 because they were showing it. Yeah. Well, now, if I try and log on to HBO Max, it asks if I want to subscribe. There's a, I'm supposed to be well, that means your subscription's right. ended. Yeah. Right. So now I have to pay for it. Uh, originally, they gave it to you. And I'm saying, <laughs> the I think horror. It's, yeah, the horror. And no, I'm not going to pay for it. Uh, and I think it was the same thing with Paramount+. Plus. Uh, whatever it was, I had it at the time that I saw Halloween Kills, and I don't know if I still have it, whatever it is. Uh, I, I just noticed they had commercials on saying, oh, we're playing this on this station. I said, well, I think I've got that. So sure enough, I went to it. There it was. I watched it. Yeah. Uh, and Halloween Kills, the whole new Halloween franchise, uh, I give those a C plus, basically, like two and a half stars out of four. It's like, you know, they're not bad, but they're inconsistent and they've got real problems. Uh, if you just want to see Michael kill a bunch of people in creative and horrible ways, then, yeah, you won't be disappointed. But... As far as any logic goes, it's kind of like watching American Horror Story. Uh, you just have to sort of take it for what it is and be able to appreciate it on its own level without questioning yeah. too much. So it's yeah, not I'm not bad. into like Halloween movie, but uh, interesting. Yeah, well, you can kind of work the system on a lot of those shows, uh, those those uh, streaming services. Like you can sign up for, you know, a free week or whatever, and then cancel. At the end of the week, I mean, I don't know how much, how often you can do I this. Did but theoretically, I did that. Theoretically, you the can, card. Right, exactly. I think I theoretically that. you can kind of do right. it ad infinite um, if you just use a different email address. 
Well, and but I'm you not can also, sure. They bring it up again at various times. You can sometimes get back onto it later. Um, I saw a little bit of, actually, I saw a whole season with a friend of, uh, God, what is the new Star Trek series? Um, Lower Deck or whatever? Oh, I love Lower Decks. Lower Decks is funny as hell. All the criticisms of that are valid, too, but I still think it's funny as hell. Uh, I don't think the second season of Picard's even come out yet. I'm not sure. Uh, I actually loved the first season for the same reason everyone else hated it, which was that it was not at all Star Trek The Next Generation. That's why I loved it uh, and why everyone else hates it. Uh, no, the other thing, Star Trek... Discovery. Discovery. Discovery, Black Female Space Jesus. Yeah, that one. Uh, yeah. I can't keep up with Discovery. It's just nuts. Uh, that's like one of the weirdest, most pretentious woke things I've ever seen in my life. So I just I gave up on that early. Where, yeah, where Jim Boivich says it started last season four started last night. Um, yeah, I don't watch any of that stuff. So again, I'm I'm out of the loop. Um, I thought the Wonder Woman movie was okay, but it was just a little too much. The uh, eighty four Wonder Woman eighty four was just like it, it's not really I, a good I movie. Know. I just enjoyed it. <laughs> Well, the thing is, somebody was, like, making this point on Twitter, and I kind of gave him shit about it, but they were right, because it's, like, the the whole thing where, like, the guy can grant everyone's wishes and shit, it was, like, there was, it just seemed kind of stupid, like, there was just, some people's wishes would contradict, it wouldn't make any sense, like, there was no, it just became, like, ridiculous, so that's all I really remember about the movie, was that, like, oh, he, he was, like, a wish granter or something, and then at the end, he's just like, you're right, I'm an asshole, it was like, <laughs> that, was the whole, that was the whole ending. He was just, she's like, don't yeah, do this, dude. And he's like, she's, you know, you got a kid. And he's like, you know what, you're right. I got a kid and I shouldn't do this. And that was like the end of the fucking movie. And it was like, all right, this was stupid, you know. Oh, yeah, um, it is. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's a good movie. It's not. Uh, there are lots of movies that are not that good that I can enjoy anyway, just taking them on their own terms. And that was kind of what it was for me with Wonder Woman 84. It at least gave me a comic book, and I wanted a comic book, which is something right. I didn't get from the first Wonder Woman. I mean, the best thing about it was that it was like a blockbuster movie that came out on Christmas Day, and you could watch it at your house. That was like, which you was know, fun. That, uh, yeah. that's, that's all I really movie. wanted, and that, I got that out of it. So it was, you know, uh, are you going to see the new – and speaking of which, I wish – I really wish what this was the case. Uh, that was the case with the new Ghostbusters. I want to see the new Ghostbusters. I have no problem going to the theater. Like I don't care about COVID, as we know. So, because uh, I'm triple vaxxed, baby. So uh, I have no problem going. Some people don't still don't want to go to the movies. So it's like, but that I'm not one of them. So, but to me, it's more just like I'm spoiled now. I, I'd much rather watch. A movie in the luxury of my own home, a new movie, and be able to, you know, pause it and go get food or go to the bathroom or have a cigarette or whatever. And, like, yeah. you know, you need to go to the Especially bathroom when you, when you go to the and movies. Three hour a, movies. Yeah. When you get to be my movie. age, a, a two and a half, three hour movie, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom at some point in that. So, Absolutely. yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. definitely something that creates a problem. So, I, I may. I, and this is before COVID. I almost never went to the movies because I don't like the experience all that much. I'll, I'll go if it's a movie that I really, really want to see. Like last time, I went, I saw all three Planet of the Apes movies, the new ones, 
in the theater because I love those. I love the Planet of the Apes franchise, and I wanted to support that, and so I did. Um, and I really ginned up about this Ghostbusters movie, so I may go see. Um, I probably will go see it in the theater. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I am anxious to so, see it. Any more? I I just wait. Uh, if if it weren't for all the nonsense of having to go out in public anymore, I would still go to the movies. Because I I did love going to the movies. I used to it used to be something I did every week, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. But the entire atmosphere is just completely changed now. So it, it's well, not the same experience. It, it they've changed it at least where I am. Um, I guess it's for the better, but to me it was so foreign that it was like, this is so weird, because like, I bought tickets online, which first of all is like different. Um, and not only can you buy the tickets online, but you pick the seats. And it was like, back in the day, you used to go to the movies, and it was like, first come, first serve. You got the seats that were, yeah. you got the, the seats that you wanted and shit. Now it's like, you you buy the seats ahead of time. Uh, which is just to me, it mean it makes sense. It's kind of stunning that it took them so long to implement that. But it's also, I mean, I'm just an old fart. So to me, it's like, ah, oh, I liked it back in the day where you, where you, you yeah. know, where where it was shitty. It was actually shittier having to get having first come first serve. Like it really was shittier because it was always like. There was always two people or three people, then an empty seat and another two people. And it was like always like there was always these random empty seats everywhere because nobody wanted to sit next to each other and shit. Now it's just like you got to – it's much more economical. So I, I I, can see why they make you pick a seat. But it's like – to me it's just like I hate change. <laughs> so that's, a, well, that's know, my I mean, rant. For me, like I said, it's the, it's the experience. I wouldn't want to pick a seat in advance because I don't know who I'm going to be sitting next to, and I might not like them. Uh, I want to pick my own seat. If I happen to be going to the theater on my own, uh, I can see where I want to sit. If I have to choose in advance, I'm taking blind luck. Well, that's the thing. It's a plus-minus thing. Yeah, you can you pick your own seat so you know where you're sitting, but you don't know who you're sitting around. So, yes, it's very much that in a sense where you – you know, like like Jim, we were just saying, like some jackass could be sitting in front of you, and like back in the day, like you sit down, and the person in front of you is like a fucking idiot, and they won't shut up like during the coming track, and you're like, all right, I'm going to fucking move my seat. This guy's a pain in the ass. Yeah, now it's like you're exactly. you're locked into that seat. So, I don't know. You're in the airplane now. <laughs> yeah, kids these days. All right, so we're rounding out the end of the show here. Uh, we'll talk. Let's talk a little bit about what we're doing this week or next week uh, for the holiday and shit, because I got some crazy stuff going on. And then we'll uh, wrap it up. Before we do that, I want to thank uh, all the folks who tuned in live. I believe that's Cherry Garcia um, in the chat, as well as Jim Vujovic uh, and Zach Copley, who kept the convo going tonight in the chat. Big, uh, big thanks to Jim and Zach, and also uh, Miriam Hamlet who was uh, listening but did not chime in at all, as far as I can tell. So thanks to them, and thanks to all the folks who uh, listened live. And uh, if you're listening live now, um, download the show uh, this weekend. I'm going to try and post it uh, no later than Sunday night, because um, we're going to talk now about what, you know, what we're doing for Thanksgiving. Um, 
We'll do a we'll do a beer thing. I'm not drinking tonight because I gotta do. Uh, I'm gonna be on coast to coast uh, in like two hours, so I gotta be at my at my sure. sharpest. So you know, can't be can't be fooling around there. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna talk about that, and we're gonna talk about the winter of weirdness. I promised you all a uh, winter of weirdness. Uh, from Banal of America last year, and it never came to fruition, but I can tell you now that there will be a winter of weirdness uh, coming up from us uh, very, very soon. So that's all going to be at the end uh, in in the post-show here, and that's, of course, absolutely free. Just download the MP3. Um, And now we're kind of just talking (laughs) to the people who have already done so, who have already downloaded the MP3. So thanks again to everybody who listened live. Uh, what, are you, what are you doing for the holiday, Bruce? You got any – you kind of keep it low-key, right? Yes, this year I'm actually working, but I will be getting overtime for that. Uh, and nice. I'm going to be having the Thanksgiving celebration the day after. Uh, uh, my best friend is going to take a day off because he couldn't really get a group together for Thanksgiving anyway. They had problems too. So he's just going to do it the next day, and I will have that day off. So we're just going to get together and have some turkey with everything, and giblets and gravy and pumpkin pie and sweet potato pie and the whole nine yards. We're just going to do it all. And we'll watch whatever happens to be on. Well, we're going to have a really good time. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm doing a completely unorthodox <laughs> Uh, very different Thanksgiving this year. Um, uh, so, long story short, um, my family from California, uh, they moved back. My uncle uh, and his wife, my aunt, I guess you could say, but uh, yeah, my uncle, yeah, I think you, it, you would be accurate in saying that. Uh, my, my, uncle, my uncle and his wife and their kid, uh, they, moved, they kind of retired and moved back from California to Vermont, um, and I'm a huge Vermont fan. I went there a couple times this summer. I go there like two or three times a year. I fucking just love it up there. Uh, if I was going to leave Massachusetts, uh, I don't know how much it costs as far as, like, you know, living expenses, but that Vermont, you know, one of those places I would definitely consider moving to. So I'm a big Vermont fan. So anyway, they moved to Vermont, and there uh, my aunt has her family – has uh uh I've been told they have a, a very large lake house um that ten that can that can accommodate ten people so it sounds like it's quite the quite the residence and uh and since they're back here on the east coast and they want to reconnect with all of us east coast uh banals although we're not the banals it's a whole other side of the family, but uh, my mother's side of the family. But that, that's neither here nor there. Um, they want to reconnect with my family and shit. So they have graciously invited all of us to come up and stay in the lake house. So this is and, – and normally I'm a huge creature of habit, and I'm getting stressed out already uh, thinking about this holiday trip because to me it's like – I would much I, I just I just love <laughs> I love my Thanksgiving habits. Like I love waking up on Thanksgiving morning and brewing a nice cup of coffee 
and having a nice smoke and sitting down and watching the fucking parade for two or three hours and and then just vegging out and then eating and watching full I love all the all of the stereotypical Thanksgiving traditions. I try to I, I, I live them. I I'm just one of those people. You know, like I, I'm actually one of those people who actually watches It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas Eve. Like that, I just do it. So, suffice it to say, I'm, <laughs> I have no my 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 Thanksgiving habits are going to be torn asunder uh, as I as I travel to Vermont with my extended family, and we all we're all going to stay in this lake house. So we'll see. It a part of me was like when I first heard of this 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 idea. Um, I was like, um, let's do this, because to me that just sounds like a movie. Like this is this is like the, this is a stereotypical plot to like some hilarious uh, family family Thanksgiving movie. You know what I mean? It's like uh, yeah. cousins cousins that I ne- that I maybe see for like two hours every Christmas or something. Now we're we're gonna be fucking all living together for for three days, like. <laughs> Hijinks and Zeus. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm excited but also stressed because uh, I don't like anything that's different from my normal life. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. So I'm excited but also like, oh, Jesus Christ, I don't – I'd much rather just be sitting, you know, sitting on my couch, especially like Black Friday. You don't have to do shit. It's like, oh, there goes my Black Friday. I'm going to do – God knows what I'm going to have to do on Black Friday. I don't even know. So um, – there's a lot of uncertainty, but at the same time, uh, for me, you know, I like an adventure. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I have been saying, you know, even if it's like a complete and total fucking disaster, and you know, then at least I'll we'll we'll have we'll look back and go, oh, remember that year we all we were, we all stayed in the lake house and <laughs> you know. And we all got typhoid or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, something fucking like that. So, who knows? College but, frat but weekend. But at least, what's that? College frat weekend. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm either going to have a really fantastic time or I'm going to be fucking miserable or somewhere in between. But it, it's going to be very different from my normal Thanksgiving, which... Uh, to bring this back around full circle is why we're talking tonight, because uh, I'm going to be hitting the road Wednesday morning, and you're working Tuesday night, and we just uh, it would have been impossible to get this show uh, recorded and out to people. Um, we had to do it tonight. We had no. There was literally no other option. I think the only other option was Wednesday night, and I'm already going to be decamped in the lake house at that point. Right. So. Right. My guess is probably most of the listeners don't know what was on tonight. And they say, hey, how the hell did I miss this? But, I mean, it's archived. Just listen in, guys. Yeah, I mean, generally they have it set on their podcast feed, and it'll pop up fucking on Sunday, and they'll go, oh, holy shit, it's Ruxkiving, and they'll get excited, and they're listening right now. So uh, I hope everybody's enjoyed the special. <laughs> um, you know, I I hope that one guy who I don't, I really don't know his name, but I hope that one guy who was pissed about last year's show um, is satisfied with our performance this year. <laughs> so well, I, thought it was I hope very we. Well. I thought it was a great show. Um, 
I, I, you know, but apparently we just didn't dance well enough for the for the guy throwing uh, coins our way last year. But I think I think we I think we acquitted ourselves well tonight. So um, yeah, I don't I know. don't think we'll be disappointed. If anyone was disappointed last year, I don't think they will be this year. At least I hope not. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, all right, Bruce. Well, I can't thank you enough. I really uh, appreciate you. Continuing the tradition, it's always fun chatting with you, and um, yeah, I guess uh, this is where we we call it a night. Uh, thank you so much. Have a great holiday, brother, and uh, be safe out there, and I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend. Good night. All right, folks. There you go. That was Bruce Rucks. Uh, another Rux giving in the books, 11 years. Can you believe it? Um, pretty wild. I think I, I, I was kind of busting the chops of the, <laughs> of the, of the listener who critiqued us last year, but, uh, hopefully this, hopefully tonight's show was, uh, up to, up to par. We didn't even get into pirates or anything. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think Bruce and I, we agree on some things. We disagree on other things. It was very much, uh, it very much feels sort of like a very Thanksgiving-y experience, you know, where you're talking to people that maybe normally you wouldn't uh, come across in your everyday life, and and you uh, maybe don't agree on everything. Bruce and I clearly are on different uh, wavelengths with as far as the vaccine goes and other stuff as well, but that's you know that's life. Um, you have to find common ground with people, even if you disagree with them on stuff. So. Uh, always good chatting with Bruce, and uh, hopefully he has a great holiday and uh, a great year, and we'll be talking to him next Thanksgiving, 2022. And this is, uh, as I teased over the course of the show at the beginning and uh, just now a few moments ago, this is uh, not the last you'll be hearing from me because uh, last year – when we wrapped up the summer of strangeness at the end of the summer of 2020, I I said we were going to come back for the for the winter of weirdness uh, in 2020. So that never happened, as you can as you know, right? So so that never happened, and as such, uh, and then you know we came back for that little abbreviated season. Uh, I had to pull up the calendar just a minute ago, so that's why I got distracted. So then we had to we came back for that little mini season this past spring, um, and then I promised an, another summer of strangeness. Why you believe anything I say at this point? I don't I don't know, but the the point being, uh, so it's been a while, um, but at long last I can say with pretty good confidence, I'd say, yeah, I'm confident. I'm confident. I've I've kicked the snowball, and it has begun to roll downhill. So I don't, I don't see any reason why it would stop now. There will be a Banal of America winter of weirdness, um, and it will be starting. Uh, well, I can't say next week because next week is Thanksgiving week. Um, so it'll be starting, I guess, what, like in like ten days. It'll be starting in ten days. The point being, it will be on Tuesday. Uh, November 30th, the last day of November, Tuesday, November 30th, uh, 9 p.m., 
And our guest is going to be to kick off the winter of weirdness. We're going to have uh, the weirdo himself, the incomparable John Tenney, will be back on Banal of America. Uh, I talked to him at length uh, the other night in a, just an off the off the cuff phone call, and it was like magic. And uh, that's when I was getting him to booking him for this uh, this winter of weirdness premiere. So. Yeah, John Tenney, he'll be back on Banal of America uh, Tuesday, November 30th. Um, And then, it bears noting, you may have noticed, I said Tuesday, uh, because essentially all of the holidays, uh, well, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve are both on Fridays this year, and I'm almost certainly going to go away one of the weekends in December. So that leaves us with two Fridays um, that are that are manageable. So it's like I don't want to bring back the show and, <laughs> and, and then just give you two episodes in December. So we're going to move the show at least for December. Uh, we're going to move Banal of America back to Tuesdays, which is where we used to be uh, before we switched to Fridays. So... I'm hoping that we'll have episodes for you. Uh, I know we'll have one on Tuesday, November 30th, and then uh, this weekend and uh, next week I'm going to work on locking in the uh, the four Tuesdays in December, so the 7th, 14th, 21st, and 28th. Um, I've got a huge list of guests I want to talk to, so now it's just a matter of like, okay, now I'm really doing shows again, so now I can reach out to them and say, hey, Here's a list of possible dates. What do you want to do? So that's pretty much it. So we're back. Uh, We're back with a bang, baby. Uh, John Tenney, November 30th, Tuesday, 9 p.m. And then hopefully, uh, you know, shows every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. after that uh, throughout the winter of weirdness. So tell your friends, wake your neighbors, jostle your pets. Ben all of America's back. The winter of weirdness uh, will begin November 30th. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to it. <coughs> and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So uh, there's a lot of people that I've wanted to talk to for a while where I've been like, ah, shit, if I could just get the – I just had the podcast going again. I could get this person on the show and we could talk about this. Well, now – the uh, the podcast is uh, we're shaking off the dust and we're going to rock and roll again, so looking forward to it. And uh, I think that's it. So on that note, I want to thank everybody uh, who tuned in for tonight's Rucks Giving special. Again, I want to thank Zach and Jim Vujovich and Cherry Garcia in uh, Miriam Hamlet in the chat, and all the folks who tuned in live, and of course all the folks. Uh, who are listening right now? Uh, I know, like my buddy Steve Berg. I know he's probably listening. If you're listening, still listening, Steve, I'm giving you a shout-out. I might get Steve Berg back on uh, Banal of America for the winter of weirdness. Who knows? Anyone could turn up on the BOA. Wow. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I want to thank all you guys. Uh, the show is, I mean, shit, I've been doing this for like 15 years. Um the program, in my mind, is an institution, even if we don't put out shows every week. Uh, God bless the people who do put out shows every week. I don't I don't have the stamina for that anymore. Um, but 
you can always count on us to uh, put out quality shows. So uh, I'm looking forward to continuing the legacy of this program with a whole bunch of new stuff uh, this winter. Um, and I want to thank everybody who, uh, you know, has made this Rucksgiving thing a part of their holiday experience. Um, I know you're out there. You're probably uh, you probably just listen to this maybe on the drive to Grandma's or uh, while you're getting the uh, the turkey ready or something like that. You've just spent the last couple hours with me and Bruce, and uh, I appreciate that we've become a part of your holiday tradition. Um, and I appreciate your enduring support after all these years. I can't believe it's been so long. Um, and on that note, I think I've said everything I need to say. So thank you again to everyone who's been listening, and uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'll talk to you again in November. I almost said April. Oh, boy, I'm tired. November 30th, 9 p.m., John Tenney, the Banal of America Winter of Weirdness premiere, just 10 days away. So you have that to look forward to. Once again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and good night.